Levo to the right hand, puts her down. He's going to dump him hard to the ice. Brady Levo just loves to fight. Ladies and gentlemen. My dream of being a professional hockey player became a reality, but it was all taken away from me in a very short period of time. For many years, hockey was my outlet. Hockey was my drug. When I had a stick in my hand, nothing else mattered. I was able to break into the Western Hockey League in 2004, and I even won the Swift Current Broncos Rookie of the Year. During the summer of my rookie year, I experimented with drugs for the first time. After just seven games in my sophomore season, I walked away from the Swift Current Broncos due to personal reasons. Nobody knew I had been sexually abused at the age of five. I did everything to hide it from everybody, but I just couldn't take it. Drugs and alcohol now took over my life. I did return to the Swift Current Broncos as a 19-year-old, but things were never the same. I was eventually traded to the Kelowna Rockets in my final year of junior where I got to play on a line with the Dallas Stars captain, Jamie Benn, and one of my best friends, the extremely talented Colin Long. It was by far my best season ever, and I even signed with the Tampa Bay Lightning's organization. A dream come true, right? That's when everything went wrong. First it was the cocaine, then came the Oxycontin, and that led me into a 12-year journey into the deepest pits of hell. Within two years, I had now made the switch to heroin, fentanyl, and everything in between, and I was now an intravenous drug user. Multiple suicide attempts and over five trips to the psych ward, I was a shadow of who I once was. By 2014, I was homeless on Hastings in Vancouver, the worst street in North America. By 2015, I was a wanted criminal, making the Crime Stopper headlines more than once. After spending three years in jail, I had completely given up. With nowhere to turn and nowhere to go, I finally started to get honest. I took a chance and made some major changes. This is my story. I overdosed over 10 times. I'm one of the lucky ones. And for that, I will always be grateful. This is for all the men and women we've lost. Matthew Lazinski, Mitch Fadden, this one's for you. My name's Brady Leibold, and I've been to hell and back. This is the road to recovery. Finally doing what I'm meant to do. Just hear this for a minute. What's going on, everybody? Welcome. Hockey to hell and back, episode... 107. Of course, I'm Brady Leibold coming at you guys live from Muskoka, Ontario. Had some audio issues there for a minute, but that's what happens when we do things live. I was just sitting here uh, and and listening to that intro and, you know, hearing Mitch Fadden and, and Matthew Lazinski being August 1st. Today is uh, starts Overdose Awareness Month. You can see my puck support hoodie here. Now it says hashtag end overdose down the sleeve. Uh, just became available on the website. Uh, but 
you know, I think we, we can all do so much better when it comes to mental health and certainly addiction and overdose awareness. If you're not carrying naloxone in your vehicles, please do so. You never know when you may be able to save somebody's life. And, and that's just the reality of the world we're living in, in Canada and, and the United States. Fentanyl is now the leading cause of death between the ages of 18 and 45 in both countries. So that speaks for itself. And, you know, usually I'm a little bit more upbeat when, when, the video ends and I'm super excited to get on this podcast and I'm really excited for the conversation, but I just had a moment where I, I paused and, and reflected to just how lucky I am to still be here, uh, reflected on those listening, watching right now who have lost loved ones. I know there's a lot of people out there that are watching this. You guys know who you are. Uh, my hearts are with you. Uh, all month, it, wear purple. Purple is the color for overdose awareness. I'm purpled out. I have Matthew Lazinski in my hoodie right here. All of our stuff at Puck Support has a, a name of a hockey player who's passed away from suicide or overdose. Uh, it all started with Matthew Lazinski. Uh, you've heard it on this show probably many times. My my best friend in the world, Matt Thompson, who I didn't know prior to, uh, called me after listening to one of my podcasts, one of the first ones, and shared the story of his best friend, Matthew Lazinski, who was a second round pick to the Sioux Greyhound in the OHL and was prescribed prescription medication in hockey and went down a really dark path, ended up going to jail uh, and eventually lost his life to a fentanyl overdose in 2017. And when Matt called me, he's like, hey, the similarities are so close. And that was the very first person in the hockey community that I had heard of that had passed away of fentanyl. And for anyone that knows me, that was my drug of choice for eight, nine, maybe 10 years. And uh, it really hit home for me. And I, I realized then that I wasn't alone. And now we had lost one and there had to be more. And shortly thereafter, I found out that my roommate from my time in Norfolk, uh, Mitch Fadden had also passed away of a fentanyl overdose uh, two weeks apart from Matthew in the same year in 2017. And that really kicked me off into doing more research. And what I've found, uh, you know, over the last year and a half, two years uh, is heart wrenching. And, you know, I don't blame hockey for these problems, but I know myself growing up as a hockey player, I just thought that this wasn't, this wasn't part of a hockey player's journey, certainly not drugs and alcohol and that type of stuff. And uh, I always put hockey players on a pedestal, like superheroes. They're on TV and, and look at them. But this stuff happens everywhere, and hockey is, is included in that. Um, we're just looking to really use hockey as the vehicle for change uh, and, and hopefully exploding it outside of the hockey community to, to give people hope and education uh, because we can all do such a better job. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about that at the end of the show. If you heard the song uh, playing, and that's the new song, Hockey to Hell and Back by Chad Campbell. Shout out to Cat Chad. Uh, like I get teary eyed when, when I think about just everything, I, I have a really hard time holding in my emotions. I think a lot of people know that, and I have no issue with that these days. Um, I, I really want to give a special shout out to true hockey because something remarkable has happened in the last 24 hours that I'm not going to speak on right now, but something has happened that, you know, some doors have been broken down and if it wasn't for true hockey, then it just wouldn't have uh, happened. And I can't wait to be able to share that story with you guys when the time is right. But true has been with me for over a year now and they've provided me with everything to get back in the game and, and be on the ice and to be coaching these kids. Uh, they've gone above and beyond. I really don't believe any hockey company in the world would have done the same. And they check it, check in on me. I talked to them. I called them today to share this story about how their products uh, impacted my life more than anything in the last 10 years. And I know I'm kind of teasing it a little bit, but I, I can't even get into it. Um, and, you know, they're, 
they're real people who really care. And when they invested into me, they had nothing to gain by that. I didn't even, I don't have a very big social media following. I certainly didn't back then. Uh, I think I had like a thousand followers on Instagram and I was a liability, if anything. I don't, don't even think I had teeth yet. And they didn't even ask questions. They believed in me from day one. Their products are unreal. I'm not just saying that because I'm with them. I absolutely love everything that they've given me. And more than anything, they're just incredible people and personable. Like, I just don't know any other company that that does that for, for somebody. And so I just have to say thank you to True. All, all you guys over there have been just incredible to me. So uh, before we bring in one of my best friends from childhood, I'm so pumped on this, you guys. Uh, we've been talking a lot lately and uh, it's probably gonna be a lot of fun, but I'm excited to, to get him on here so you can hear some of his insights through playing and now coaching what we saw growing up and the pressures and all of that stuff. So before we bring in Ned, quick message from one of the best, Regan Bartell, and the awesome people at Team Issued Limited. Hi there, it's Regan Bartell, the play-by-play voice of the Kelowna Rockets, Brady Leovold's biggest fan. Team Issued is connecting all walks of life. Team Issued does this by recreating that special feeling of being a part of something bigger. A community for all striving towards the same goal. TeamIssued.ca promo code TOEDRAG15 for 15% off. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Regan. Thank you, Team Issued. Uh, I was going to bring Ned in right away. I wasn't going to do this, but because I don't really get into the whole intros of things and uh, try to hold back tears. But, you know, growing up, I'll be honest, I didn't really have a, a, a ton of people in my hometown, certainly from the age of five until nine, that really pushed me. Like, it, it there were people that were maybe as good as me or close to, but it, there was there was no example of what was better out there for me at that time. And uh, I remember uh, my best friend at the time, Connor Didman, he, he came home after tryouts because he was a year older than me, just like Ned is. And he came home and, and he came right to my house. And Ned had recently moved from Vancouver to Port Coquillum, so nobody had seen him, but he sure showed up to hockey tryouts. And um, Connor came over and he's like, you're not even going to believe how good this guy is on my team. His name is Ned. I think I laughed. And I was like, yeah, right. Like, come on, right? I, I didn't get a chance to play with Ned that year, but I remember I, when I saw him for the first time, it was in a tournament in Vancouver at Killarney, which happened to be the rink that my dad grew up playing in the high school my mom and dad went to. And I remember I watched Ned in warm up and I think he came over the blue line and took a, a slap shot at 10 years old. It was like bar down. And I think he scored six or seven goals that game. I'm not even kidding. And it was from that moment on that I realized that maybe, hey, I wasn't that good. And that, you know, what can I do to get get around this guy so I can learn from him? And I had the pleasure to do that for for so many years. Uh, I finally got to play on a line with him every second year and just cherish the memories with Ned and I could go on and on and on, but we're going to talk all about that here tonight. So uh, without further ado, former Spokane chief draft pick where he scored as a 15 year old, by the way, the first player ever to score as a 15 year old in the Western hockey league. And our whole team was in the, in attendance. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that tonight and what that was like for me. And I think for a lot of us sitting on the other side and what that did for us, um, Went on to get drafted by the LA Kings, had a very long pro career, American Hockey League over in Europe. He'll talk more about that. 
uh, but more importantly, a guy that I looked up to just so much through childhood and I love, love dearly. So without further ado, my buddy, Ned Lukasovic. Hey, Brady. Great to be here. Yes. Yes. The memories. What? What? Do you know what this song makes me think of? And it's funny now because I was I was kind of a bad boy later in life, but it, it definitely brings me back to a minor hockey turn. Like it was on one of our CDs. Like it was one of our, it was one of our like go to mixes. Like, um, <laughs> what what tournament are you referring to, or what like exact occasion? Oh man, there was this one time, man. I think it was the Pogo Bantam tournament, and. That song came on, and you and Joel Delgarno did like this whole routine of like being chased, and you were. I, up I, the, I remember that now. On the, the, the helicopters and the cops. I remember that now. Oh, it was so funny, man! It oh, was so man. funny. I never forget that. Times and memories, man. The best, right? You don't realize how good the, the how fun it is to play hockey at that age, you know? Yeah, until like anything in life, you you learn and you evolve, and uh, yeah. To, Wish you go back into that time and be just be a hockey player, just be a kid again. That's the it's funny because that's uh, you don't know that's the best time of you don't realize at that time that's going to be the best time of your life, right? Yeah, and it really was. And I think, I think we were really lucky, you know, we had a just a, an unbelievable group of guys there in, in a small town. Poco's grown quite a bit since then. Uh, but when I when I think back into like the way hockey is now, where you know you can kind of branch out and play on like select teams during the year we were stuck to play within our small minor hockey association that was Poco, which was essentially one of the smaller AAA centers. And man, we had good teams. Like we, we had a great group of guys. Yeah. I was actually thinking about it the other day. We had, I think like my, my second year Peewee or first year Bantam, I forget what it was. Maybe it was second year Bantam. We had like four or five guys on the BCU 17 team. And I mean, that's, that's pretty unheard of, you know, coming from Poco, but um yeah, it was like you said. There's there's not enough like words or emotions to talk about just the amazing times when you're where young like a youngster. And that now that I'm a father, like I, I just can't wait for my kids if they want to play hockey, if they do play hockey, to be able to like have that those memories kind of shape them into who who they'll become, right? Yeah, and it you know you made a really good point. I we've talked about a lot kind of in the last uh, couple of weeks we've been talking which I really appreciate man having you back in my life. It's awesome and you know I've always like I said looked up to you and and loved you like a brother. Like people watching or listening like Ned and I and along with some other guys we spent a lot of time together. Like it wasn't just at the rink. We were uh it was like sometimes 24/7 <laughs> throwing firecrackers into my microwave. <laughs> <laughs> yes and one it wasn't putting firecrackers in my dad's microwaves and uh i think we shared this story on the last podcast and this is you know i remember because my dad used to give me five dollars for lunch every day and I, around halloween time i would i would just pocket that money and i would take food out of the fridge or make myself a sandwich because he didn't know he was at work and i'd take that money and i'd buy these fireworks uh, from the corner store i was like 12 years old like i don't know why they're selling me fireworks but i had a whole bunch and we and i showed up to the rink that one day and and maybe you can jump in and tell tell people what happened i'll say that i was probably the ringleader me and connor and you were just along for the ride but now could you like if if one of my friends kids did that right now like i don't even know what i would do like like and to think how your dad handled it didn't even tell my parents or nothing and 
so I, I didn't really know what a mighty white was. A mighty mighty is like a firecracker that you light off and you throw it like a right. Yeah. And I don't know what what came over us. We were 13 years old at your house, and Brady brings out the mighty mites, the firecrackers before Halloween, and Brady starts lighting them and he's throwing throwing them outside. Now I'm starting to get a little wild. I'm like, why don't we just throw them inside? Why don't we throw them? So we're throwing them in the house, but they're like, they're in the air. They're now there's smoke. Now I don't know what comes over me, but Brady, Brady opens the microwave and I throw one into the microwave and it just explodes. And I don't know what we thought, but we, we ended up just closing the microwave. Like there's, there's glass everywhere. There's chips everywhere. I don't like, I don't know how dumb we were at 12, 13, thinking your dad's not going to notice in his nice house. So I get to the practice the next day. We had a practice. I was like, I think we had a sleepover. My dad, I might have gone home. I don't remember, but I remember the next day at the rink, your dad like pulled us aside. I'll never forget it. This is how scared, this is how scared this chicken shit I was. Brady's dad didn't even punish us that hard. He just made me sit in the penalty box with Brady. And I started crying. I'm like, don't tell my dad. Don't tell my dad. Do you remember? And even like halfway through the practice, I tried to step on the ice. He's like, get back in the box. I was crying and you were laughing your ass off. I was just so scared. But to think about it now, like he didn't even tell my dad or nothing. Like what, like shout out Brian Liebold, uh, the firecrackers that we did, a number on your, in your place. Like I owe you a dinner. I owe you something. So shout out Brian. Not Not only did you go through hell with Brady, you had to repair your microwave a few times back in the heyday. So cheers. Oh man, good times. Don't forget the time when we almost lit the dressing room on fire too. Do you remember actually, that? I actually don't remember that. Oh man, with the screecheroo in the dressing room and it smoked out and my dad like I I lit a stomp screecheroo in a dressing room before practice at Planet Ice. You don't remember that? I oh, remember. oh yeah, yeah, it was smoky. You oh, were my dad, my dad's a fireman. Like he was a fireman and his son's lighting up fireworks in the in the dressing room like just I don't know what we were thinking, but, you know, I just, hilarious times. I mean, I wouldn't advise anybody to do it, but uh, I just think back, man, all the tournaments and everything, I, what I would do to just go back and live one of, one of those days again, oh. playing roller hockey. I mean, what, like, I just feel like I developed so much because we had such a great group of guys and we were such good friends and we really were so competitive. It's, it's actually funny. I was talking to my sister about this actually literally yesterday, just about um, how good specifically my childhood was with through hockey, like the tournaments, like you, you bring your siblings, you like Brittany, your sister came like, 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 like you don't really realize the enjoyment of, of what youth hockey really is, the memories you're going to make and, and the way it's the people you'll meet and the way it'll shape you and how big of an impact it'll have on your life so many years later. Right. So like grow, thinking about my childhood, it's all hockey tourneys. It's all roller hockey. It's all revolved around kind of that hockey scene, um, you know, with sleepovers and, and going to friends and barbecues and things like that. And that's my whole childhood. That's your whole childhood. Just those memories playing, playing road hockey, coming home, coming, you know, in late, you know, um, there, there's no words. And, um, you know, there's gonna be a lot of messages on today's podcast, but you know, if you're, if you're a young hockey player, it's really, and you're even, maybe even, even if you're a parent, I'm no expert on parenting. I have three kids. I still learning every day, but, um, in the talking about terms of hockey, really enjoy the moments, you know, enjoy the journey because 
one day you're a minor hockey player and then one day maybe you're not even playing hockey or maybe your son or daughter's a junior hockey player and you're not really going to have those memories you know so enjoy the ride don't worry so much about the end result but enjoy enjoy the the small moments the small victories friendships relationships um hardships uh, yeah, championships yeah. whatever friendships right yeah absolutely yeah. man i um i i liked what you said the other day when we were talking to is uh, how I, I know i was and, and i'm sure you were too like i'm not going to speak for you but so focused on goals and points like that was it that was it i don't care anything else i don't even want to play defense but as long as i score or score two goals i'm good and that's what a horrible way to be. I think that then that now that there's so many good coaches out there and so much good development and like the game has evolved so much. You look at like players on any team, there's only two or three Leon. There's, there's a Leon Dreisler, a Connor McDavid, and then the rest are players who can contribute or they play a role or they they're effective in one way or another. Look at any team, you know, the Canucks, same way, any NHL team, there's not seven or eight goal scorers. There's those two or three staples. And then how can you find a role on the team? And when you're, when you're a young hockey player, now that I do skill development, I'm coaching young hockey players. How it got started is I, I was actually talking to a junior hockey uh, kid. I trained, he was going to this camp and he was like, I'm so nervous. I got to score goals. And I'm like, you're not even really a goal scorer though, bro. Like you're, you're an energy guy. You're super fast. You're actually a power forward. You don't need to worry about scoring goals. And he, although goals do get you noticed, there, there's also a chance, even if you scored six goals at camp, you might not make it. Maybe you're maybe they they have enough of those guys, right? If you're a goal scorer, obviously you got to produce and get points. But, you know, if you're a youngster, because there's not a lot of goal scorers in every team, Brady. There's yeah. only a small percentage of player players who are dynamic, who are the elite level players, whether you're 9, 10, 15, 19, and the rest – have goal scoring abilities or some kind of a scoring touch or they get goals. So you've got to find a way to be effective and make a team other ways. And uh, you know, like you said, when you're, when you're a young hockey player, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of annoying as a coach. Um, a lot of parents probably won't, won't like that, but you know, if our, my son or daughter scored, they played a great game. If they didn't score a great, a goal, they didn't play well, you know, and that's not all, not all of us measure like our kids like that. And I'm not talking about a specific parent or anything, like I'm, I'm generalizing in hockey, um, but you can play a great game without even scoring a goal, uh, without getting an assist. I remember one time I, I was actually thinking about today. I was playing. Uh, it was major junior. Like I came out the room, you know, just like any other young kid. They want to impress their parents. I didn't score. I wasn't getting any points that year. I was, I was 16. I didn't get points often. Um, and my dad was like, Ned, you were back checking like crazy. And I was like, that was kind of one of the first moments. I was like, wow. Okay. Like, that, I felt good about that, you know, and that was a, I think that was a, a fascinating, important message from my dad. He was like, you back check really hard where I've never really been the hardest back checker from that, <laughs> mo from that moment. I really tried to put a focus on, on back checking, you know, for real. Yeah, no. And, and it makes, it makes sense, but I think it's hard because it gets lost. And I, what I notice is with a lot of these kids is they all think they're Connor McDavid. You know what the hardest part is to Brady? there's so much skill development out there. There's so many skills coaches out there. There's so many great coaches out there. Um, like you said, a lot of kids, they're, they're only focused on, you have to dream high. Every kid should have a dream to make the NHL, but maybe you're, you're, you're a bigger player and you want to be a power forward. You may, maybe you like a player like Zach Cassian, but the problem now is that hockey is, is a team game. But even speaking from my experience as, as a pro, 
we worry so much about, you know, how much I score, my assists, my points, because I want to move up. I want to get called up. I want a new contract. And you have to be driven. You have to want success for yourself. But it can't be at the, you know, detriment of being a crappy teammate or or looking selfish. You know, everybody wants to score, of course. Yeah. But make sure you're not only happy if you score and you're not unhappy if your teammate scores. And I think that's another big message, too, that was hard for me growing up because you're so competitive. You think that if I score, it's almost like, oh, he's going to get his chance. But me scoring, Brady, is not going to hurt your dream or your journey, right? And that's – it's it's kind of – people are probably saying, oh, come on, Ned. It's true, though. You know what I mean? I, I had this – I had similar things, but I, when it came to you, I just gave up. You weren't – it didn't matter if you – it was like, yeah, whatever. There's no, no stressing about that. But I definitely went through some – and I mean that. I'm dead serious. I'm not just making that up. That's – No, no. I, I, feel like, I feel like there was games if I scored a goal, you'd be like, fuck, I got to score a goal now. I got to score a goal. Yeah, well, there, well, yeah, because sometimes you'd be telling me I had to score a goal, and you'd be challenging me on the bench sometimes. Like you would, man. You'd be like, "Come on!" Like, and, and I don't know. And I think it was probably you know me being a year younger. It's different. You're probably like more like mentoring me because even though we're ended up playing together for a short time in Swift Current in the WHL, you were still going to move on first to go to the WHL, and it, me yeah. having success was not like you said not going to affect your journey at all. Um, exactly. What it, let's talk about that game when you scored 15 years old in the WHL for just for a minute. And we can get back into whatever you want to talk about because that was a big moment. Like now that I look back, like for you, of course, for your family, of course, but that was a big moment for me. And I think for uh, a lot of other people that were there, like I'm talking like our close friends, you playing in the Western league, made me believe that I could play in the Western league, right? Like that, that's what it came down to. And I knew that I always felt that you were better, but it was like, if he can play and, and do that, well, I could probably get in there and contribute on some level. Right. So when you, you know, Ned got called up as a 15 year old and ended up scoring, I still remember you had like a, like Nike, I think it was like a Nike like gloves or something. And you had the bubble with the bubble. cage, like, like mm -hmm. hilarious. Like it was unheard of back then to have 15 year olds playing really. And no it one was. had ever scored before. Tell me what it was like for you. Like, so you went in as a 15 year old to Spokane and now you're in the dressing room. Like maybe things are better now, but like, did you know what to expect? Like walking into that room? I was so nervous. I was so scared. I remember that morning I, I, I roomed with a guy named Matt Keith and I, I couldn't have been, I couldn't have been luckier because he was such a good, good guy, great hockey player, but just a better person. And I was, we had, I room with him. I came after the pregame skate that day and I room with him like after the skate and I was 15 and I was bouncing off the walls. He was like, he, I remember him saying, you're nuts. Like to the other guy, there, I forget, it was the backup boy. I forget his name, you know, forgive me. But he was like, you're, you're absolutely insane. I was like jumping on the beds, like being hilarious. Like, and he's probably thinking like he, he got drafted to Chicago in the second round. He's probably like, who's this 15 year old? Usually you're supposed to come in, like kind of be quiet, but it's because he was so nice. And I kind of looked up to him from training camp that year. So I kind of had a little bit of a relationship with him through being a local boy. But then when I went to the room at nighttime, I was really scared. Just be, not about, you know, the guys treated me great, um, but it was just really nerve-wracking. Because, like, you know when you're playing minor hockey, then you go to the, like, dub. I remember the jerseys were hung up. Like, yeah. it's like, holy, wow, this is like, this is the NHL. You're like, oh, my gosh. You know what I mean? It's so professional. You're like, when you're a kid, you're like, this is 
this is my dream. I made it. And, and then it was just so surreal because like you said, at that time, it wasn't really um, normal for 15 year olds to get that call up. There was the odd guys and it was really uh, kind of a surprise when a 15 year old would play. Uh, and I remember stepping on the ice. I had two shifts in the first. I had two shifts in the second. And then the third period came and I started the the third and I started getting a regular shift. And I remember I had a couple of great shifts and I kind of had some confidence, which is, yeah. you know, something we'll talk about as, as the episode goes on, um, the power of confidence. But I started playing well and um, third period, about nine minutes left. I get, a, I get a pass in the slot and I was what? using, yeah. I was, I was using, remember the Z bubbles. Yeah. It was so flexy. Like it was so whippy. Like it was just, it was just worn down. I like, I flexed my stick and it, I shot it and it went five full and I was kind of shocked. I just put my hands up in the yeah. air. Like, yeah. I, I remember. Like, I didn't even know what, what to do, but I, honestly, that's one of my my moments I'll never forget. Forget, and uh, it was it was in Vancouver. Get the against the Giants. Obviously, we were there, and you know that picture. Like I have yeah, a picture yeah. still. The it's like in Harvard. No, I have a picture. It's like you, Jay, Kev. It's like ten of you guys with with your shirts off, and you guys are like going like this. I have it. Like it's in, it's in black and white, like this. Someone took it, and it, it's sick. So it, that was that was a, a moment I'm never gonna forget, and. Um, one of those memories in hockey that I'm so grateful and so lucky for that I, you know, got to experience. Yeah. That, and was, it, my, that, was, that was, sorry, Brady. That was my first real taste. I kind of got hungry after that. Like, okay, I, I, I can do this. Like you said, I can do this now. Yeah. But uh, exactly. Right. And that's, and that's sort of how I felt when you scored and I'll only speak for me, but I'm sure the other guys that were there, Jake, Robbie, all those guys, Kurt, um kev peterson of course shout out he's my first guest ever on this show bless his heart now scouting with arizona i love love pd um but it felt like i scored when you scored it was like it was a big moment you know and i was so happy for you and um you know the, the smile in your mom and dad's face and you know your sister's face both of them alex was quite little back then but yeah. everyone was just so jacked up and I remember that culture kind of carried back to our dressing room. I remember playing street hockey and you were being Matt Keith as, as the character. And I, we were all guys on the Spokane Chiefs. Do you remember doing that? Yeah, I do. I do. I actually do. <laughs> right? But you brought the culture of the jump around and like what it was like to because you had yes. a taste of what it was like to be in the room and to have that routine of a team warming up and everything. And you yes. brought it to us. So... It, even though it wasn't like a full experience, it was like a it was like a look into like what happens in those dressing rooms. So it was so cool, man. Oh, exactly, and and like I said, I, I'm so grateful and, and fortunate and playing in Spokane and, and that opportunity. Uh, the fifteen year old game was really good. The sixteen year old year was actually uh, quite terrible, um, and then things got better. Um, as time went on there, just being a young hockey player, it's tough. You're, you're away from home for the first time. I was so jacked up after my 50 year old game and, and so motivated that I, I wasn't even worried about the homesickness or, you know, the, um, the tough parts of, of, you know, being a young hockey player in a dub team where you're not going to play. You don't really have, you know, a lot of the young guys, you might not be friends with the older guys. I wasn't thinking about that, but then that six year old year came and that, that was tough. You know, you had some, you know, had some ups and downs and um, yeah. So Overall, though, it was it, it was a good experience, um, but it's tough when you're when you're youngster moving away from home. Yeah, I, I I experienced that as anyone watching or listening. As if you've listened, I talk about it all the time. Like, it's difficult. You you you're up 
and, and you leave and yes, like you talk about, I was super stoked too, but it's different when all of a sudden, you know, it's a month later into the season and you're not playing or it feels like maybe you're not gelling with the guys in the room and you're worried about that and uh, missing your family and missing your friends at school, missing your high school, even like it, it's a lot to deal with, but I still think like in hindsight, the trade-off, like I would, I would do it all over again, a hundred million times. For, for me, per, I, I remember when you were like talking to me when you, we were in Swift Current, you're like, I think I might go home. And I was like, wow. I was like, are you crazy? You're going to go home? Like, I actually remember we were sitting like in uh, one of the one of the guys' houses and you were like, I think I might go home. And I was like, are you serious? You're like, yeah, um, this is when I, we we had no idea what you were going through. We, we thought it was just about, about your girlfriend at the time, um, your high school sweetheart. Yeah. Um, <laughs> shout out NB. But um, <laughs> anyway. And that's, I guess that's, that was your way to mask. It was your girlfriend, but um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't trade it for the world because I think, I think a lot of those, my experience was pretty good in the dub. Like I, I had a good overall experience. Um, I, I was fortunate after I left Spokane, I went to Swift Current and the guys were so awesome there. The culture was so awesome. I felt like it was a lot of unity we were a family. There was, it was yeah. kind of like, there was no, cause Swift Kern hadn't had a superstar for a few years since Redenbach and Williams left. And then when I came in, I kind of like, was like, you could feel like, okay, now there's not going to be any stars here. And I kind of liked that. Everyone was just, was one. So my experience, you yeah. know, I, it was a pretty good experience, a right? Pause for a minute. Tell people that you got five goals in your first game in Swift Kern. And I, to this day, I've still never seen anything like it in my life. Like it was, uh, that was crazy, right? I, I honestly, I'm a, I'm a big believer in like when the puck finds you and, and like, you know, being blessed with, with, you know, a little bit of luck and things like that. So, you know, um, I think you had three end to end goals. Tell me how the puck found you on that one. What behind your own net? <laughs> I remember, I honestly, I remember every goal. And, and then there was like, my brother, it was like the third period I had five and I passed their cross and I was like, Ah, damn, I could have had six, but that's how, that's kind of how that's kind of how that culture was. It was like let's get everyone involved. I remember you scored a late goal in that game. You were so happy. It was like an eight, that seventh goal. Yeah, it was. You remember that? Yeah, it's the only goal I scored all year before I quit. Oh my gosh, you were so pumped backhand driving the net. I think wasn't it or something yeah. or rebound. I love how you remember that. I and and to be and for people watching, uh, my first year in the WHL is like I made the team. I actually made the team as a 16 year old, and then was like, uh, I'm not staying here because I uh, I just didn't want to stay at 16. I'd signed with Ridge Meadows, and I knew I was going to be on the first line in the power play and be able to develop. And I probably wasn't going to play much in Swift Current anyways. But my first full year. At 17, I struggled. Like I, I couldn't, I wasn't playing much and I didn't score until like late in December, early December when we went on a road trip to Spokane okay. to play you I guys. Remember, I remember your exact goal. You came in like this and shot it. It was on a southpaw. It was on upsaw and you like, you shot over his blocker. Yeah. Little, little toe drag bar down ski. Yeah. I, and I <laughs> think it was in the, I think it was in the, this preview of the video, wasn't it? Yeah, I think I think it was, but that again, it was like I'm playing Ned, and I have no goals, and I better I better score, like because this is you know I gotta show I gotta show this guy, like that's the way it was, and I and it, it was a goal where like I I remember I poke check Gary Gladu Glads, <laughs> he did, and if, I have the video, and the funny thing is is he took a penalty, and 
before that and we scored on the power play and he came out of the box and the coach told him to stay on the ice and he stayed on the ice and then got poke checked by me and I went on score we scored bang bang like that but it it was it it was just like one of those moments where I I remember seeing you on the we were I was on our bench you were on your bench like before the game before fans are there before everything and like I, I think you even like I'm pretty sure you said something to me like score tonight or something or go I get did, one. Tonight. I did. I did. Cause right. I remember when you, when you went in the breakaway, I was like, I was like, I kind of hope he scores like just to, just for the happiness of your buddy. I was like, I, I hope he scores right here. And, and you scored. And then I was like, okay, we need to win the game still though. <laughs> I, think I, I, I was happy for you. Cause I, I knew how much it meant to you at like to not just score a goal, but you know, score a goal in Spokane. We were friends yeah. growing up. Like, I think that was a big, probably one of your, like a big moment. And uh, yeah, I, I genuinely, genuinely was happy for you. Yeah, it was, yeah. it was, it was awesome, man. And to be able to see you like to play against you, it was cause I'd seen you play in the Western league and and then, but now all of a sudden now you're on the ice across from me. I'd never played against you before. We'd only ever played together or I'd watched you. And now all of a sudden it was like, okay, like sure. We pe- practiced together in our, we played against each other hours and hours playing Kings court underneath Ikea all hours of the night in our late teens. But, um, I think we usually were on the same team, though. A lot of the time, no, you and Robbie played together a lot too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah, was, yeah. The, he was a nasty. He was the worst street hockey player, and I mean that in the best way because he was so good. He was a goalie yeah, turned D man. He was so mean, man. He would elbow you right in the face and slash your hands. Like he did not care. Like he brought it every every shift in street hockey. <laughs> he literally took the Rock'em Sock'em videos to the ice, like. You, he would ha- he would legit hit, like hammer you and then if you like cried or like whined he'd be like Fuck you you know what i mean like so the best was is he would hit you and he'd be like stevens like scott stevens like he'd be he'd be me like talking it out what he's doing from the rock'em sock'ems and like we would oh, 100% 100% so funny but um i, I want to hear you you launched a podcast ned and Tell me, tell me about your podcast. I mean, I know a little bit about it, but what inspired you to start the podcast? Kind of like what, what is it something you saw in the hockey community? Tell people what your, what the goal is for your podcast. Well, you obviously know a lot about it. You actually Brady edited episode one for me. So he knows a little bit about it. Um, thank you for that, by the way. Cause I, I have no, I'm like, I'm not a content creator, but the way of the world now, if you, if you have a business or want to be, you know, expand your business or, or have a voice or help people with a platform. You gotta, you gotta post, you gotta put yourself out there. And, and for, for me, I, I and Chris or Chris and I, we wanted to start this podcast and what the podcast is really going to be about Brady is. And for those of you listening, if you're a young hockey player, it's going to be specifically for like, for a young hockey player. But I mean, if you're a pro or you're, you're a junior player, there will still be lessons in there for you but i mean for junior players for sure pros you've kind of figured it out by that age like like the lessons about you know certain situations that you're going to be brought into hockey related um but i i I always post these videos on instagram where i'm talking about you know can you teach work ethic or or my coach didn't give me ice time he doesn't like me um what team should i play on this coach is saying if you don't play on my team you're not going to make it on so and so there's so many like questions I get from parents and players that I coach that I teach that who really has time Brady to listen to a five minute rant on my Instagram. And you know um, the funny thing was I was looking at my insights. Cause as you know, when you have a professional page, you can see how many t- people watch the full length video. So I started noticing they're not watching all the video and you know, nothing personal who can watch a five minute video in the middle of the day. So I, 
I met up with my friend, Chris Connor, who we met at the three ice hockey tryouts, which we can get into a little bit later. And, and he kind of talked about, you know, I wish I could get my message out there. I don't have a lot of followers. And I was like, well, I don't have a lot, but I have a decent amount in, in this area. I kind of have a little following or a little name. And he has, he played in the NHL. So with, with kind of with his resume and my background, um, we thought, why not like just chop it up on a podcast and share messages for young hockey players and parents, like insightful messages, like knowledgeable messages that actually a parent can say, wow, I need to hear this. You know, my coach doesn't like me or my coach hates my kid. How can I talk to my coach? I don't get ice time net. Um, I'm small. I'm not going to make that a one team. You know what I mean? Shout out. Nice, nice graphic there. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it is. I appreciate it. So there, and there's so many things like that too. Like, like in episode two, Chris and I are going to talk about his call up to the NHL. And around the same time I got sent down to the ECHL and just the, you know, his, his confidence was so high. I was so shattered as a hockey player. Um, there's so many messages you can take, you know, talking last um, episode about, you know, our dads, the impact they had in our careers. What did your dad expect of you? What, you know, what did you learn from um, him pushing you or not pushing you? And there's just so much that I think hockey players like, like Chris, like myself, players who have been around, players who have experienced things. I'm not, I'm no expert, but I, I was, I was, don't, like, you, um, think you, don't you think you are though? Like, well, I, I, like, you know, I think, I think that being humble is, is important too. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, I, I, I mean, you're not saying it, you know it all, but if you want to no. talk about having ex, expert exactly. experience, like, sure. it, of course, like, like we spent our whole life doing this and you longer than me. So uh, no, you're, you're right. I just, you know, I, I try and find the right words of, know. you know, that, that I don't want to, that my way is the right is a hundred percent right. But from my experience and Chris's experience um, through, I went through the dub, you know, I was the best player. Chris wasn't the best player growing up. So there's a lot of stories. Like he wasn't really good at 14. You know, yeah. he kind of says, I wasn't that good. I was a star my whole life, you know? Um, and then I get to get to pro and things get really hard. Well, Chris was working a lot harder when he was younger to get to where he wanted to go. Now we kind of meet in the middle. Then what happens? There's lots of lessons on the ice and off the ice for young hockey players to hear, because I think like even touching on, you know, can, can you teach a kid to work hard? I'm not kind of trying to jump into something here, but that's something I always get asked. My kid doesn't have energy. Um, of course you can teach those things. There's so many things that parents will take away from each episode. Like in the next two weeks, we're going to talk about tryouts coming up. I know there's a lot of kids who really want to make a team. We're going to give tips how to get noticed. Like can, 100%. I you, can I tell you yeah. something that will blow your mind? I don't know if it's like this. It's obviously not like this in BC. Here in Ontario, do you know that they have the tryouts like two weeks after the season ends and there's no room for development over the summer to come in and make a team? Can you believe that? Well, I'm not a fan of that at all because what's it's showing our kids that we can't move up, we can't get better if we're not the best right after our season. You know what I mean? At least here, if you played on, you didn't play on that AAA team, you can do three, four months of development. You can find yourself, you can get quicker, you can get stronger, you can talk to a strength coach, a mental coach, and you can really build yourself up as a hockey player and more importantly as a person. I always say this. If you feel good about yourself and things are things are feeling good for you off the ice, you're always gonna you're, you're more likely to feel good on the ice. And I always use the example when I went to Europe, my last you know six seven years. If I had a if my apartment was was I'm not talking like the Ritz, but if it was clean and normal and livable, I felt good going to camp right right away. I, I felt good. I was okay. Things in my you know 
outside of hockey feel good. If like you got the apartment, there's no furniture, the Wi-Fi doesn't work. There's been situations like that, or yeah. are you chasing yeah. things seriously? Like one yeah. apartment I went to didn't even have a couch or, or or a bed, you know? And like then you go to the rink, they're expecting you to kind of perform. It's like I can't perform. Like I my mind's over there, not here. So it's the same thing as a young hockey player. You don't play on, like in, just talking about the, the Ontario situation. You don't play on that team you want to play on one year. And now in two weeks, you got tryouts. Now you have to turn the switch. Well, it's hard as a young hockey player to be like, okay, let's refocus. Let's forget about that year. You, we need youngsters to build on their development as people and as, as hockey players, right, Brady? I, man, I agree 100%. And I've been working primarily uh, doing some skills coaching uh, with mostly 2009 borns. And I've been really lucky. I've uh, been getting some of the top end kids in and around this area, like triple A kids. But there was like, and I didn't even know about this tryout thing. It didn't really clue into me until there was this one kid on the ice. And I was like, oh, you're playing triple A? And he's like, no. He's like, I just made the double A team. I played single A last year. And this kid, I'm, I'm telling you, is a sleeper. Like, you give me a couple of years For with sure. it he's going to be sick like he's got it if it but he, he doesn't believe that he can make the team like he finished his year in single a had to go try out for triple a like two weeks later and gets cut down to double a and every time i like i'm talking to him i'm like so triple a you want to play triple a next year he's like i can't play triple a i'm not good enough it's like yeah, who told you that who said who like who told you that like it, the whole I, I don't know man i just i love the game but i see a lot of things that and i question why would why would you do that like, why would you have it set up that way? But anyways, keep going on about uh, your podcast because I, I really think, too, it's not just for the youth uh, hockey player. It's also for parents, too, right? It is. And, and most of the, you know, most of my good friendships now come from through hockey, through coaching these kids. I become friends with the moms, the dads. We build relationships and friendships just through the game of hockey. And and I'm grateful for that because there a lot of them, um, they have a lot of questions and they're, not sure what's right, what's wrong. And in hockey, there's so a lot of parents, they're nervous. Like, if I don't go to this team, will my son not get noticed or daughter not get noticed? Or if I go to a different coach, will I burn a bridge? I think there's so many wrong messages out there that um, I want to get into and kind of just tell people because um, there's so many things like that, Brie. I can't even name all the things. I actually have a, have a notepad with about 40 or 50 things for the and next, like, continue to grow. Next, it's like six or seven episodes that we want to want to get into. So um, there's endless things to talk about. That's the thing, is. right? Like there there's and there's so many intricacies into into the game. Like things that as parents and as players, I I know I wasn't thinking about that or what what's next and and all of that. But again, I want to I wanted to bring something up. Was when we were talking the other day, you're talking about like never enjoying the moment, right? And and it's always like from one thing to the next, whether it's next practice, next game, or, or I got to do this season so I can get to the next season and be here. And, and I feel like a lot of those moments just like pass, pass by without enjoying them. So how, what do you say to your young players to, to stay in the moment? Like, how do we do that? I, I'm curious what your thoughts on that are. B, I heard this from, from a great co coach uh, the other day. Um, he said, entitled um gratefulness not entitlement when and when you're a hockey player i'm talking about a pro you know how many days i went to the rink i'd be like oh man i'm so tired today i don't want to work out oh my gosh battle practice or video yeah. you know like and then when things are going good you're kind of excited you're like hey you're revving up you're getting points and then when things are going bad you're just like it's the dog days like shit i gotta i just want to get through the yeah. slump this this kind of sucks and even when things are good you're still like you don't you're like when things are going good it's almost 
it's a hard lesson because now Brady, you're like, okay, I'm getting points. I want to get called up or this will be a good contract for Europe or next. Okay. I got 40 points in 47 games. Now next year I can go here. You're always looking forward to, you always have to have a goal, but I think as hockey players, pros, especially um, once they're done playing, the one thing, even at the three ice hockey tryouts, there was tons of retired guys. And we went to the rink, like we were up at like 630. We had the coffee and we were just like, I remember this one guy telling me, he's like, man, what I would do to go back in time and stop bitching about workouts or video or road trips. I'm like, same, you know what I mean? And I, I, I wish I can just warp back in time and tell myself, you know, enjoy this practice today. Enjoy this slump. Enjoy, enjoy, you know, this hot streak. Enjoy going to the rink. Enjoy being around your teammates, right? Because of course there's times we all enjoy it, but we're, we're so driven by the end result that we're not, we let the time pass us by. You know what I mean? Whether it's with our teammates or, you know, getting that extra workout in or, or enjoying the workout instead of being like, fuck, excuse my language. I got to finish this down. I got to go home. You know, enjoying that, being able to say, I can do that. I don't have to, I'm, I can work out. I can skate. You know, I have that ability to do so, um, you know, regrets to stain that can't be wiped off. So for me as a coach, what I'm really trying to do is put all my energy into, you know, motivating kids, helping kids. And, um, you know, I think that's the skill development side goes a lot more than just what kind of hockey player are you making my son or daughter? You know, yeah. how, how are you helping their confidence? And I think that, that's important. And well, that's important for me anyways. How am I helping your son or daughter feel around their friends or in school around yeah. their siblings, you know, you know, physically, emotionally, mentally, I think when kids feel good like that, you notice a change in their play and you build them up. Right. So, yeah. um, yeah. you know, I love, I love, I want to talk about three ice here in a bit. Cause I want to, I, I never even asked you about your experience over there, but uh, I just think, man, like when I get to go to the rink, to coach, like, I think people could see it if they see me on Instagram. Like, I'm jacked up. Like, I'm fired up, right? And I'm always telling the kids, I'm like, maybe the ice conditions aren't the greatest. Maybe you are feeling tired. I'm like, but where else would you rather be right now? Like, think about how lucky you are. I always, you know, try to, like, put it in. Maybe they take it in. Maybe they don't. Maybe not all the way. But it's always planting these seeds. And I'm always like, make sure you say thank you to your parents. You see them sitting over there. You see them sitting up there. I said, don't you think your parents might want to be somewhere else right now? Things that they enjoy to do, how much money they spend on this, but more importantly, their time. I said, yeah. be grateful. You know, don't sma- don't slam your stick. I used to break, you know me, I used to break my sticks and throw my sticks at my dad. I was horrible. Right? Well, and now sticks are $300. No, it's I didn't try and pass the puck hard. I'm so scared of breaking a stick and having to go buy a new one. <laughs> oh my God. But man. totally Brady. I, like I actually, just to give you a little bit, you know, like a little bit of credit. I love, love your energy. Cause I think my whole thing is when I'm coaching too, uh, like I sweat on the ice and yeah. It, yeah. I, it seems like you do too. I think that if you bring energy, there's no way kids can't bring energy. And, and the hard part is as a, as a coach, you wear a lot of hats, so you're not always going to have it, but you have to find it. You have to, no matter what is going on in your personal life, you're having a tough day. Um, you got to bring it because the kids need it. Right. And I think that you see with the, with, with the best coaches, they're able to get the best out of their players, you know, with either, you know, motivating or teaching or energy, uh, like I said, coaches wear a lot of caps. So for me, I try and pride myself on bringing a lot of energy. Um, and, and that's just kind of, you know, who I try and aspire to be. Yeah. And it's, it's the best way to be, man. I, I always learned better, played better when I was having fun. Uh, so often through hockey, it, 
you, you only get talked to by the coach when you do something wrong. But how about how about lifting a guy up for making a good play or finishing a check or whatever, just coming in, instead of just standing there? Like a lot of coaches, I'm you know through junior through pro, and I'm not even blaming them. Like they were bad people. It's just the way that it was and the way that we were shown and, and over. But how many times were sometimes just a little boost of you know, hey, good job. How much? How far that can really go? I think I think the game has changed uh, so much with with uh, with coaches and the way like the game has evolved so much. Not even just the speed of the game, but just the way that uh, coaches are interacting with players. Yeah, you have to have that. I always say you have to have that a little bit of relate relatability. Like I coach youngsters, so. I am a youngster. No, but I was a youngster. I, I did have a dream of making WHL. I did have that, ex, that experience of, of the stresses of, you know, being good and, and, and trying to make it. So being relatable, I think kids, you know, they don't care anymore. There's this quote, kids don't, kids don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care. No one really, kids don't really care anymore that I played pro, but they think it's cool that, you know, I can have a discussion with them about, you know, their high school friends, their, what they're going through, you know, uh, how they're feeling, how's their confidence, who's your favorite hockey player, do you see that move, you know, other things outside of just hockey, 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 and then, you know, that kind of builds a comfort for them that I think you can, you can not break them down, but you can, you know, construct constructively criticize them yeah. in ways that will help them get better because you have that relationship with them, you know, you know how it is when you have a, when a, you know a coach loves you, but he breaks you down. You're like, yeah, I'm going to push. I'm going to keep pushing because you don't take it. The youngster, sometimes you take it personal or you're not mentally strong. It's it's tough when you're young, right? Yeah, but if you have that relationship with the coach, then you can take it almost with a grain of salt and it's not so bad. But if if you don't have a relationship with that like that with a coach and then all of a sudden they're they're breaking you down, well, then that feels pretty horrible. Like, uh, I don't know, like go back to when you were a kid because like, I remember you like and and – I hate to say this, but you always seem like nervous before games, like nervous. So like, is that, is that a fair statement? I'm ner- I've been, I'm nervous before every game, every game, every game. And I think because I, I've always been one of the, the better or top players on, on teams, depending what team I'm on. Like, I know there was a lot expected of me, like uh, from, from the coach, the team, and I know that there, as a youngster, like I felt like, okay, there's lots of people watching. They like you're expected to be the best, and I always want to be the best too. Like I, I always wanted to be like, yeah, see, look at me. Like if we're playing, you know, BWC, you know, when I, when we were young, it's funny. I worked there night. Now I would be like, yeah, I want you guys to see who who the best is or who's really good. And then in junior, like you playing against old friends or or people, it's it wasn't even about scouts. It's just that I had a pride to want to be the best. So even like. My last years in Europe, I would get nervous before games. Like, okay, I want to play good tonight. I want to show because I feel like maybe there was more eyes on me. It's like when you play a great player, like, I want to see how good this guy is. Is he really that good? Oh, because yeah. people, it's easy for people. They want to, people, this is the thing, people in the hockey, people want to say, ah, he sucks. He's not that good. That, then that's a victory for them. So there's kind of that motivation. You know what I mean? Isn't that crazy how people do that? Like, some of these people have no idea what it takes to be a hockey player. And if someone's playing pro anywhere or they're on TV or anything, there's a reason why they're there. Like they're like top of the class in the world, even if they're not in the NHL. And and that's the, that's the thing. There's, I always tell kids not just about that, but there's a lot of opportunities outside of the NHL. Like 
you know, and I always, when I ask kids like what your dream is, they always like kind of, it's almost like they're embarrassed. I, I always tell kids like, you should yeah. have a dream. If your dreams make the NHL, just say that. Don't be scared. You know what I mean? We, you have to have, you have to have a dream. If you have dreams to make the NHL, you go for it. You do everything you can to make that dream come true. No one can stop you. Right. Dreams never die unless we kill them. So, you know, I think that's the most powerful tool a kid can have, but I try and tell kids now, like too, there's, you know, have that goal and have that dream, but you know, maybe you're a little older. You see with a lot of like, you know, bubble pro guys, or, you know, they're just NCAA. They're, they're probably not going to get that NHL contract. Well, you can go to Europe. You can make a living. You can see the world. There's, you, you there's lots of things now you can do in hockey and in business with hockey. Right. So um, I think that's awesome too for, for the next generation of hockey players. There's so many opportunities out there for them. Just keep working and keep grinding. And and the network of hockey people. That was something that I, I wish I kind of would have got more entwined in earlier. My network in hockey is better than it's ever been, period. Sure. As I sit here today, I'm more connected to the game of hockey than I've ever been. I'm sure you are too. But I just feel that the network of people and relationships and how important that is, not just in hockey, but just in life, but hockey especially, relationships. And, and when you have the opportunity to make an impression uh, on somebody, uh, how that can affect things immediately and later in life, whether it be a good one or a bad one. We'll give you a funny story. The, I, I, I applied uh, with this NHL team to be a skills coach a couple of years ago, um, just fresh out. And um, all, I just sent an email. I had, I didn't really have that much experience. I was doing some lessons and I thought I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna apply here. Um, doesn't matter where it was, but the gym was super nice. He responded back. I sent him, you know, a little bit of, about myself, kind of like a cover letter, but it was kind of long too, which I, looking back I'm, for him to read that, like, it was like that. Like I was, cause I wanted to introduce myself, but I was like, you know, what? I'm just going to take the risk. I don't care. And we, I follow up with him almost every two or three months now. Hey, just checking in hope all is well. Um, he writes back, looks like your business is going well, Ned, like keep going. Hey, did you guys need anything? We're okay right now, Ned. Let's keep in touch. And then we connected this summer and I actually, about a month ago, I wrote him and it was like about a month or two too late. It was just, he's like, we got our guys set. Um, you know, it looks like you've developed something, but you just, you just nailed it. The importance of, of a relationship, of a connection, you know, conversation and, and um, just talking and being who you are, being kind. I think that goes a, a long way, especially in hockey now, because there's a huge, We'll get into it, Brady. I know you posted a video that there's a huge um, magnifying glass now on the kind of person you are in hockey, and and that goes a long way. It really does. Yeah, or or not a long way at all, and it, that can happen so quickly. Uh, you're on the move. I love it. Um, Sorry, I have to I have to plug my uh, computer in. <laughs> it's all good. Um, I don't know, man. Like. <sighs> I'm just going to let the audio play out, let people. Sorry, guys. Is that terrible for the pod? No, it's perfect. That's better than before. Love Sorry. it. That, that was uh, that was brutal. Hey. Was nice. Oh, look who's uh, – let's get to some – I could have got to some comments. Look who's watching. Connor Didman says, hello, boys. Oh, what's, wow. up, what's up, Connor? You missed, up, Connor? Missed, the beginning, missed the beginning of the show. I, I talked about you telling me about Ned for the first time. Hope you're doing well, man. Love you lots. Uh, my best friend from childhood, like brother, all the way from like five years old on, Connor and his uh, partner, Ashley. Hello. Uh, just get to a couple comments here before we get going. 
anything related to the podcast I'll do now. Susan Cook says she needs a copy of that black and white photo. I would also like a copy of that. It's probably why she's asking. Oh, it's a, it's a crazy it's a crazy photo. It's amazing. Uh, Luke watching in Red Deer, Alberta says, keep smiling, Brady. You can tell you two had a real connection, friendship, great interview. Thanks, Luke. And absolutely, I mean, our friendship runs deep, man. Like 25 years, dude. I was thinking about it. And and you know what? There's probably going to be people out there that are ne- say negative things about what, what you're doing too. And um, I think that just generalizing, there's enough. I'm not trying to be philosophical or like, like a motivational speaker or nothing. So I'm definitely not, but there's enough bad in the world that if people are trying to do good things for people or trying to help, or, you know, you're trying to help people who have gone through things that you've gone through. Yeah. Um, my podcast, I know people will laugh at mine and they'll say, Oh, that's dumb. That's stupid. But it's, not dumb. it's still, that's just pushing me harder. And I think that well, that's the world we live in though. It's easier to be negative and say someone, this sucks or oh, that's dumb than to kind of, you know, be like, okay, good for you. But the same people that say your podcast is uh, your bubble, that's dumb or this, that they're, they're closing their eyes at night and saying, damn, he's doing good. Like, I wish I could kind of do that. that that's the reality of the game of life we live in. Right. Yeah. I think so too. And I've been guilty of that. Like I've been guilty of, but my message to anybody out there, whether hating on me or someone's going to say something about your podcast. And let me tell you, man, I think you guys are onto something. There's this whole population of, of hockey parents and young players, especially that need to hear this stuff. They don't need to be listening to all these other podcasts that are glorifying the, the, some of the bad in hockey. I'm not even going to get into that. Uh, they need real role models and, and real life lessons and people to look up to and, and, and rely on that, that are trustworthy and have their best interest at heart, not just as hockey players, but as people. And that's, that's what it comes down to. So don't ever think your podcast is dumb. If anything, I think a lot of other podcasts in the hockey world are dumb, and I'm not just going to leave it at that. We don't have to get into that. I think anybody watching or listening can hear what I'm saying. But I just think that there's uh, there's a whole population of young kids watching and we need to do a better job uh, like you're doing and with Chris, uh, just being role models and, and sharing life experience and inside and outside of hockey. And like, I, I'm a huge supporter. That's why I jumped in and said I'd help you edit it. And I'm happy to do it as much as I can. But you're going to need to move on uh, from someone. I do have someone, my, a friend of mine uh, that I can connect you with. Uh, possibly after that would help you. He's watching now and says, Hey, Ned, I know a good content creator who works in sports. If you're looking for help, he's helped me with a lot of stuff, Josh. So I'll, I can connect you with him. He could probably get you a video and all that kind of cool stuff made for your whatever needs to be done. He's done a ton for me. So, um, yeah, I, I just think uh, just be yourself, right? Like it, everywhere you go. And I told you that, you know, before the podcast, that you could. I think going live too, it's like you get kind of nervous. It's a podcast setting. I know I sometimes get nervous, but when people are just themselves and that's goes to show like in a hockey dressing room too, like just be yourself. Don't try to be, you know, something you're not. That's something that I got caught up in a lot was like trying to say the right things or whatever. But when I was just able to be myself, then people actually liked me more, you know? It's, it's funny you say that. Um, I also did an interview with the WHL team and I was actually a finalist for an assistant position. I don't really have that much. I mean, I retired two, two and a half, almost three years ago now. So I'm still a new coach. I'm really green. So, you know, at that level, they want, you know, maybe you had a playing resume or, they, or maybe you know someone, but you have to have, you know, something and um, to beat out the next guy, right? But 
what I really had was my experience as a, what got me far was just talking about my experience as a young hockey player, being 16 in the dub, you know, being homesick, how, how to relate to players, but also just, like you said, I would, I just was speaking who I was, you know, I'm a father. I want to help the kids. I want to be able to help them with their confidence, this, that, and the other on ice, off ice, you know, be, be there for them, be, be a, as, as an assistant, be able to be, um, you know, a soundboard for them and be there and, and find the time to get to know every player. I would just said things that, I really believe in, and it took me to the very end and end up, you know, not getting the spot. They took a guy with a little more experience, but like you said, I think that, you know, being genuine, being who you are, especially in the hockey world, that that's cool. I think that's, that's really cool. Right. And, and even instead of when you're a young hockey player too, you're always trying to like kind of be cool, you know, yeah. regardless, like whatever it is, if you're a young 16 year old, you're trying to impress the older guys or you're trying to, you know, maybe be something that you're not or something that you're not used to. So for you young hockey players out there, I think I'm seeing a lot more, with the young hockey players now, they're, they're really themselves. And I, I love it. Like with, with the up and coming, you know, I think they're, they're really proud of who they are. You can see there's a lot of good kids out there. And, and yeah. I think that's, that's the best way to be, just be who you are. Right. Yeah. I I've been very fortunate to, uh, to have just a remarkable young group of kids, primarily 2009 borns. And, and they've just been unreal, like to be around them and just to see their passion and drive for the game. Like, it's so cool, man. When, uh, you know, I'm trying to instill like pro habits. I, I have a lot of fun with them on the ice, but at the end of the day, if we're doing something, you, I'm going to show you how to do it the right way. And and when they get it, you know, like you remember, like in drills, like in practice, like stopping in front of the net, like that's a big thing, whether you score, whether you miss the net, whatever. But here in practice, we're going to stop in front of the net. And it just when they start and then like a couple skates later, like everyone's doing it. Everyone's chatting on the ice, like everyone's talking because I'm like, hey, communicate, have fun out here. Everyone before everyone just skating around, just whatever. But just instilling those habits of uh, uh, of being like a professional hockey player. I never had anybody do that. We didn't have anybody that knew or had anybody had experience to show us that like, God bless my dad and some of the other people in Poco, but they were just doing the best they could with what they had. And they did a great job. But my end goal was like, Hey, how can I play for the Poco Buckaroos and be Marco Segovic? Like, <laughs> he works at BWC now. He, he's amazing. He has a little cafe there. <laughs> that, that was the, that was the goal. Like, you know, shout, like, out Marco. shout out Marco, buddy. He was sick. Remember dropping, he'd come. So I started coaching at BWC a couple years ago and I was like, where do I wreck? I'm like, did you play drop-in like at BWC with us? He's like, yeah, you're net. I'm like, holy shit. Like, he's like, I remember you were so sick. I was like, you were sick, bro. Yeah. Like, you look up to those guys, but Brady, you kind of, you, you really nailed it. Um, the funny thing is uh, for, I hope, I don't know who's listening. Who's not saying love Marco's coffee. What up, Brian? You probably love fireworks in your microwave too, eh? <laughs> so Brady, I try. I the funny thing is, I'm kind of the coach now that I kind of think I I didn't like when I was when I was a young pro. Yeah, like a coach that's a stickler for details. Yeah, habits, stopping. Yeah. Like I preach, like as a coach, I preach energy, details, and habits. Like that, I'm. Those three things are like the like obviously culture and things like that, but at like physical aspects, energy, habits, and details. Like I I push kids, you stop in front, you start behind the blue line, you shoot the puck while you're skating, you play the rebound, you bow for the puck, you don't give yeah. up. Like just really that consistency consistency. There so I always laugh because my buddy's like, Ned, you're the coach you absolutely hated. I'm like, I know with a friendlier touch though, right? Like with a yeah. with a feel for it. So 
those coaches when I was young, a couple of coaches, there's one coach in particular, um, he's actually in, in the, I think he's in the NHL now working in, as an assistant. I, I, had to, I had to look him up. He was my first ever pro coach, but he was a stickler for like details and like being good defensively. He yeah. still lets you play, but looking back I, at the time, I was like, man, you don't know anything, buddy. Like I remember thinking, I was like, you're, I was like, you're an idiot. Yeah. And now looking back, I'm like, wow, he, he was, he knew how to make a good pro player, you know, like how to really develop you into a player that you need to be to get to the next level. And I didn't want to listen at the time. And then, you know, like I eventually listened because I I got sent back to his team the year after. So I was like, I'm all in, you know, but lessons like that, you know, don't think you know everything either. Right. Yeah. And I, I was very reluctant to like, I, I would hate doing some of this stuff that I'm like edge work and different things, like some really important stuff that like power skating and, and really like, man, I just, again, I wish I could go back and enjoy doing all that and do more of it. I was more about like doing like what's fun. I had no idea about working on my game. I was just always just like, well, you know, my hands are pretty good. I skate pretty good. I'm just going to continue working on that. And you could find me on the far blue line looking for a long pass. I'm not back checking. Like I don't want to, I don't want to block shots. I don't want to do any of that. Like that was my whole mentality and I couldn't be bothered to do it. But that, those are the things you got to do to make it at the next level. Like, and, and if you can instill that into like aspiring young hockey players at an early age to show them how to do things the right way, they're going to have a leg up like big time doing these things. I got to ask you though, because you're a skills coach, how much do you like seeing all the stuff on the ice, like obstacles and toys? Like uh, what's your take on that, man? This is really how Chris and I got started on this, on this, on this idea for the podcast. Cause we actually, that was this, we actually had that conversation in the room. So we're at three ice at three ice. You know what? I, I, I have this rule. Like if, if, if I'm coaching a kid and you want to come talk about your kid, I'll talk about your kid and his development, but I'm not gonna talk about another kid. It's the same as a coach. Cause there's going to be things that I like as a coach that other people are going to critique and vice versa. But I think as a coach, we, we, Whatever someone's doing, they're trying to help someone one way or another. For yeah. me, how I coach, I think some coaches, Bray, this is my my take on it. So I, I coach some kids that they need to work on puck handling. They need to work on, you know, uh, deceptiveness and faking. So sometimes I have to use an apparatus. But yeah. a lot of the time, those kids that have those hands, they need to work on energy or other things outside of the game. So I, I have to work on other things outside of their game that don't use apparatuses like back checking a net where I put a stick up, lift the stick up and go to the net hard and stop. And it's actually, I, I tell kids, I know this is a terrible drill. I know you're not going to like it. I know it's not yeah. fun, but yeah. we have to do this 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. And then next practice again and again and again. So eventually <laughs> it's just, it's just a habit. You don't have to think about back checking. You don't have to think about stopping in front. Right. Cause some kids they're really good at, they have good energy, but other kids they're not. And some kids have good hands. Other kids don't. So it's all my, my skills, Sessions are based for a specific player or players. Like, what what are you good at? What do you need to work on, mom, dad? What do you see in his game? And then we and then we go for there. But you know what? If if people want to throw a thousand toys, toys as you call them, you know what? Fine, that's that's good for them. Like, keep going. If you don't want to throw apparatus, though, that's good for you too, right? I I don't want, I don't talk about other coaches or what they're doing. I want to talk about what I'm doing, how I'm helping the kids. 
And I want to also uh, support other coaches that are doing the same thing. Cause I think that we need more of that. If you're a good person and a good coach and actually yeah. really trying to help people, I think that's powerful. And I think, you know, there's too many, I think a lot of the majority of coaches, they really do want to help. And a lot of them too, you know, some of them are learning, right? So they might have a few apparatuses out there. A lot of them, you know, there is overkill for sure, but you know, if someone's trying to do something and help the next young hockey player, Hey, good for them. If they're, and if they're genuine about it, good for them. So that's right? a great, it's a great, it's actually a really great outlook. And, and, and I love that. I love that you said that. Um, I, I just, I just have a problem with coaches just running kids through these drills where they're by themselves and they have their head down. And it's like, it's, it's all I see all over Instagram and I'm guilty. I use apparatuses too. I'm not saying don't use them for sure. You have to, you have to, but it does to me, it just doesn't really translate into a game because nothing in a game is stationary. Everybody's moving like sticks are moving. Bodies are moving. Like it's great if you could go around something and deke it, but good luck. Cause that sticks moving. It's coming at you. Like it's, it's not really simulating and all these, see so many kids with their heads down and never mind. It's not like, Oh, I'm Don cherry. You better get your head up. or You're going to get crushed at the blue line. The game has changed. I'm saying you're missing out on opportunities to make plays and to be in the right, you know, and to see what's going on around you. And I just, a lot of individualism in today's game is what I see is the, is the gear towards the skills coaching. And again, I was out of it for 10 years. So correct me if I'm wrong, but that seems to sort of be the, the direction everyone's gravitating towards is building the individual and we're losing sight of actually how does that translate into a game when there's nine other players and two goalies, you know, on your team against you, if you're not playing in those situations, how the hell do you expect to know how to play in those situations? I just don't know. Battling, competing. Like it's funny because, because you're right, right. That you have to, there has to be an element of game situation, right? So for me, if I'm put, I'm speaking about myself. I'm not gonna talk about. I'm not gonna talk about Joe or Steve or Matt. Whatever they want to do, that's their business. So if I'm, if I want the kid to work on on deceptiveness and head fakes and or shooting through a screen, I'll have to use an apparatus. Now, if I want him to work on energy, I'm gonna just put a, a puck in the corner and I'm gonna say, go from the front of the net to the corner, stop, drive the net, go to the other corner, drive, stop the net. Boring as that drill is boring as hell. No pun intended. But that will teach him about crashing the net, stopping on the loose pucks, lifting a stick up. So. There has to be an element, I think, in skill development that that is exciting for the kids, like that yeah. they, they want to come to a lesson. So I always start with this warm-up drill for me. You feel the puck, you cut back, I post it on my Instagram. Kids love it because they touch the puck, they pass, they get to go through a thing. And then we get into, okay, what do you really need to work on? Okay, Dave, you got to work. Your energy is not good from what mom and dad say. Seeing you play, you got to work on this, this, and this. Okay, Steve, you have to work on this. And I, I'm trying – make a lesson plan based on what they really need. Um, and a lot of times it's not always the most fun drills, you know, but there, I, I do believe that when kids are having fun and they love coming to your lesson, they're going to get better naturally, but they're going to want to do those battle drills, those boring drills. So I do try and include, you know, a nice warm up drill where they're filling the puck with, with, with some hands and warming up and then getting into kind of the, the, the hard work part. Right. But how, how often how often do you make sure you uh these kids know that the old guys still got some tricks depending who, <laughs> if it's a new kid i'll go i'll be like this is how you do the drill watch this and then I, I'm, I'm gonna holy geez but if it's someone i've been with for a while most of the most of my are regulars now i i i haven't sharpened my skates in two years my laces 
my laces are like when you put your rollerblades on. They have th- only three, like one, two, three. I you, you remember on. that? You remember my rollerblades not being tied up? Like, oh, oh yeah. So Brady, what you're saying? My skates broke. My skate laces broke like two months ago, and I haven't bought a pair since. Both of them, they had a knot, so I just cut them one day, and then I'm like, oh, I'll buy laces tomorrow. But the next day, I had a lesson at seven. I'm like, oh, I don't have laces now. Like I had two, two or three like little rungs. So like I can't even do the show properly unless I have tape. So um, with it, if it's for my if it's with my regular, I'm like, guys, you know the drill. I'm not even gonna. I have to explain it because I don't want to fall. I don't want to break my shoulder or even worse, my back. I, I say that to the kids too, but I'm starting to think it's like I don't know. I, I got this like little bit of this drive to maybe even to to push myself like not because i want to go back and play pro hockey i got no interest yes if you could go back to being 19 20 years old or even 16 and go back to the western league i'd probably jump on that opportunity but at my but at my right three ice you cannot like there the the next year there'll be trouts again there was trouts for everyone like tell me tell me tell people about three ice and what your experience was it looks awesome three ice was awesome it's and and that's when i really was like, man, I miss playing and I wish I was more grateful about. So people listening, don't think I wasn't grateful. Like I love hockey. I'm so grateful for what it gave me. But there's times you go to the rink and you're like, oh my gosh, man. I'm like, is the season done? Yeah. What a grind. A bus trip, flying to Alaska at four in the morning. I, this sucks, right? I wish yeah. I could fly to Alaska again. 100%. Right? 100%. Like, and I hear, you. I hear what you're saying though, man. Like it's so true. Keep going. I just, yeah, man. So, so three ice, it's a three on three pro summer hockey league it's it's a new thing they they're just trying out they're they've just tried out with right the first season it's gone pretty well there's a lot of money for the players to be made every weekend um i don't i can't i don't want to say how much but there's a lot of money like i'm talking thousands of dollars for the winning team just every weekend if you're on the dead last team you still get money so it's really competitive it's not like it's wwe where you're just or, or like a men's league where you're flowing guys really are like are they're training like hard because they, you, there's incentive, obviously, and you want to do well. And so it's a 3-3 Pro Summer League that was debuting this year, and it's been doing pretty well. Um, and what happened was it's mostly guys who have, you know, some NHL experience. Then there's other guys, college, uh, European pro, AHL. There's there's pros from everywhere, and they're really good players in different leagues. There's, there's always there's good players all over the world. You don't have to be a sick player and you're only in the NHL. There's sick players in Sweden that play in Sweden. Yeah. There's sick players that play in the coast or in the American League. Maybe not thousands, but there's always sick players no matter where you are. So there was a, a tryout um, in Las Vegas. And what happened is I didn't hear about it, but I saw um, a Facebook po- or an Instagram post about, you know, three ice hockey tryouts. And I was like, what the heck? I was like, what is this? And I saw all the people they followed and all the players they had announced. And like Connor was announced, David Booth was announced, uh, Pelusha. Uh, these guys all have NHL experience, like good NHL experience. I was like, wow, this is this is a legit league. So I just, I actually just sent them an Instagram DM, and I was like, hey, this is my elite prospects. This is where I played. Our tryout's still open. I want to come. And he's the guy responds like, email this and this guy. So I sent an email talking about myself. I said I haven't played hockey in two years. Like, so. I would like to still come. <laughs> the trouts were April 18th. I sent this email on April 7th. He got wow. back on he got back on April 8th. He's like, um, can you come? Can you fly? Is there any issues? Can you cross the border? I said, yep, yep, yep. 
April 11th, he confronts me, KNAT, you're in for the tryouts. And then I, I literally remember I got the email like at 9 o'clock at night. I booked ice the next day at 6. The next day at 6, I started running and training. Um, <laughs> I'm, about, I'm about 18, 19 pounds over my playing weight, and I haven't put on my gear since I stopped two years ago. So I feel really good in, in my track suit. I, I feel fast. I feel awesome. And I'm like, I, I'm like, I feel sick. I remember putting my gear on. It was like the next day at six in the morning. I'm like, I literally practiced for like 15 minutes by myself. I'm like, holy shit. This, I, I'm like, I'm so out of shape. Like I couldn't even, I was, I literally came across the line, shot it, went to the line, shot it, stopping, starting. I'm like, okay, I'm done. I remember actually 10 minutes in, I'm like, I text my wife. I'm like, I'm not going. I'm not going to this. She's like, wow, I'm, like, I'm about to puke. She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I, I'm, just, I'm like, I'm not going to this. I'm not going to embarrass myself. So then the next day I felt a little better on the ice and the next day a little better, a little better. And then, um, you know, ended up going to Las Vegas and, you know, for some of the young hockey players out there, there's a couple, um, you know, not celebrities, but hockey celebrities like Pavel Barber was there. Um, Swaggy P. Swaggy P. And honestly, I played against Swaggy P in, in North America and he was a good player. So did and I. Then, he was in Ontario. I played against him when he was with the Rain. And I, I remember, I'm not even just saying this, he was one of the best players, if not the best player at the trials, because he was in shape. He, man, he practices so much, whether it's his stick handling, whatever he does, he's on the ice every day for hours a day. So, of course, he's going to get better. And he was, dude, he was actually, I was like, okay, it's hard for me to be impressed, but I was like, I'm impressed. Like, he's, He's dominating guys over the NHL. He's dominating guys who are still playing. He hadn't played for two years. So I was like, you know what? Caps off to him. Um, I was really out of shape. I like I could make a sick move. I could, I had the puck for like there was one shift. I remember I had the puck for like 18 seconds. I went through my legs. I faked a shot, came out. I was like standing out. This was one of the first shifts. I'm like, yeah, I feel sick. Yes. I now I've stand, I've stood out. Maybe I've like grabbed some attention. The next shift came back because there's only six players per team on the trials. Another shift like that, I had another 30-second shift where I was up the ice, down the ice, up the ice, down the ice. I got off the next shift, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to puke. Like that, I was like, I'm, I'm done. But that, those two shifts, I went so hard, it took me the whole game to recover. So, so the next shift, I was like, I'll play D. I'll just stay back. But I wasn't even do. I was like, buddy, I watched a video clip. My legs were like just straight. Like it was like a stick man. I was like straight. I was like, I remember watching, I'm like, dude. I remember watching the video. I'm like, Ned, did you, are you moving? Please move, please move, please move. I was just standing around like this. When you're in the, you're in the D zone, you can't move. I was like, holy geez. So after the game, I thought I played a good game. And I rewatched the game through my friend. I was like, man, I had two good shifts out of 15. So the important thing was, you know, I, and the reason I did it because it was for my kids. Like my, my, yeah. son, my son loves hockey. Yeah. My daughter was too little. She doesn't remember anything. And my son loves hockey. So I was like, and when I when I retired, I didn't know that I was gonna. I didn't know that would be my last game. I didn't. I yeah. thought I'd play hockey next year because of COVID. So like, I want this to be like how I go out. My kids can see me play. And I actually ended up not making it. But guess what? I don't care because I took a risk. I I knew I probably was behind the eight ball, but I'm like, you know, what? I'm still gonna try out. I'm gonna show kids like you have to earn spots. It feels like Absolutely. even these days. It feels like even these days, everybody wants a guarantee. So I was like, I'm gonna try out. I'm gonna put myself out there. I'm going to show my kids, even though they're too young to understand the lesson, like just, you know, go for your dreams. So good it was for you, of, even though it didn't, you. seriously, good. my hat's off to you for doing that. Cause that's a, that's a really tough thing to do, especially going into that environment. It's super competitive and just to hop in and do it and at least try. I mean, uh, yeah, that, that's a, 
That's a big one. And who cares whether you made it or you didn't. But I have to ask you, are you going to go back next year? The funny thing was, I, after the first day, I was I was walking. You know, when you're just so tired and so drained and, like, the emotions get – I was so happy to be there. You know, like, training camp when you you can't feel your groins and your legs and you're so tired? You know that feeling? I was yeah. like, oh, my God, I, I miss this feeling so bad. I'm like, I'm going to the room. I'm like, cons, close the blinds. We're sleeping. And, like, we got back at, like, 11. Close the blinds to, like, 9 p.m. But the one thing, Brady, when I was walking back, I actually, like – you know, um, since we're kind of opening up, I, I think it should be a real dialogue here. I was actually kind of crying. I was yeah. like, I was sad. I was like, I hope I didn't embarrass myself because I was a sick player. I was a good player. I had a decent career. I was like, I hope I didn't like embarrass myself. And I actually started, you know, asking guys who I was close with, like, they're like, Ned, you look sick. Like, buddy, you're going to make it. And like, it was genuine. I was like, really? Because I was, you're hard on yourself because you play, you want to go back and be like, who's this out of shape old guy? It's not like I'm fat. But when you're out of shape, you, you look like sluggish, right? So I was actually like, I hope I didn't look bad. There's a lot of good players. A lot of people I know here who knew me as a, and I don't want to kind of, but um, I got better and better as it went on. And I was, honestly, I was one of my, that's one of my most proud moments because I, I left it all on the ice because I remember saying to myself, Ned, you might not ever get a chance to play in a organized real hockey game with real players again. So I was like, just go out there and do everything you can. Because before I didn't really have that attitude because I was like, I always have tomorrow. I always have next season, no matter what. I don't need to. So this one, I was like, just go out there and lay it on the ice. And I really did. So I was like, look in the mirror. I was like, if I don't make it, I don't, I do care. But I didn't, I wasn't as hurt because I, I did everything I could. Right. Absolutely. And that's, that's how I felt, man. I went back and played. It's too bad because I wish you could be up, man. We could have a six. There's senior hockey in Ontario and it's like a big deal. Like I'm telling you, I played senior this last year. I think you saw like it's full 20 minute warm ups, like, like we got a skate sharpener, like trainer, like the whole thing. Jerseys are hung up, music and what, like it's real, the real deal. It's like playing. It's honestly like playing tier two junior is what it's like. It, that's with Gatorade, big Gatorade jugs. Like this is senior men's hockey. People are paying to come in. You can fight, you can whatever and everything. But I, I would love it, man. I, I don't know if I'm going to go back and play. They want me to do They want me to. And I'm better now than I was last year because I've been on the ice a lot more. But it's a bit of a gong show because there's, there's always some idiot that want to you know try to prove themselves yeah, and i don't have time for that but if you ever come to an on on into ontario for any reason and you stay for any length of time we got to go play for the mustangs i know they would love to have you even for a game you say you never played in an organized game it's like full contact like the whole thing it's like it's like the eight rinks tier one but full contact you know what i mean like it's and and the whole thing it's it's awesome and i wish bc had a senior league had senior leagues like they do in ontario because the guys like you were missing out on a huge opportunity to keep playing it's it's funny because i actually i was randomly on elite prospects i never go on anymore but i went on elite prospects just to look up like some players and i was like, oh he's playing senior i'm like I, I it was like I remember like the name. I was oh, that must be a senior team when I clicked the guy's name because he got a coaching job. I just wanted to see his profile. And I kind of went down the rabbit hole. I knew about I know about senior men's league in Ontario, Alberta. And it's actually good hockey. It's all ex-pros, like they want to build teams. Like some teams actually pay you to play. Oh yeah. Like, fly in. Like I wish, like you said, I, I wish BC had it. Um, it doesn't. Maybe uh this yeah. gets out there. This gets out there, and, and something happens with that. But um, you, Brady, 
did you ever shout out Kerry Goulet? You know Kerry, right? Yeah, Gooch. He he invited me to go to Australia for the three ice in Australia, but I'm not sure with my criminal past if I'm allowed to go to Australia or not. I so. thought of you. I thought of you for that. I was like, maybe that's something. He he connected with me. I just don't know either with my job if I can. Um, you know, able to get out that way. But will I go back to three ice back to your question? And we kind of got cut off there. Um, I actually think I might. Yeah, I might. I was waiting for you to give me some, some answer to be like, Oh no, you know, I've decided that's where you're leaving. You're like, I think I might. I'm like, that was awesome. Cause you, you know what this, this, this new league is people can make a, a decent leave living, leaving living, from the summer, you you make a good salary for three four months, a really good salary. Like you make yeah, a lot yeah. of money. So I think you're starting guys just being full time three on three pros. If the league continues to uh, trend in the right direction, I will just train for three months. I'll put my gear on with my team. I don't care, and I'll just give it for the week. Who cares? You try for four days, you don't make it again. What do you do? You know, you're meeting new people, your face is out there. It's a great opportunity. It's just being great for the opportunity. Who cares about what the end result is? As long as you're there getting the experience, you carry on with your life. You're in the same place you'd be if you, you know, you go back and coach when it's done or you get to play. I mean, at least now you're, you have an answer. What's it like sitting there going, oh, watching it going, man, I wish I would have tried out. Right. Do you know how, how many of the guys have I've used as references for pro jobs? Like even the summer when I just was looking around applying. Hey, oh, you know this guy? Can you they instant message, instant, instant, instant email? Then there's a conversation with the the common connection. Like networking and hockey, it's 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 huge. Um, treat people right. Be a be a student of the game. Um, be a good teammate. Be a good person. Be a good friend. Hockey world's really small, you know. So. Um, had my younger self, my 2021 year old self gone on the ice, ice trouts compared to a 36 year old dad, guy who's been around with the lessons, probably a different story. I, maybe I'd be a guy that rubbed guys the wrong way. Maybe not arrogant, but thinking everything 36, I was more so just mentoring guys. So grateful to be there and hockey players. They sense that. And they like that. They want to be around guys like that. So, um, I think that, uh, you know, with the hockey world being so small, you know, treat people right. Cause you know, it's so easy to find out about one player from whatever city or organization with, yeah. with one, player, one email, one call. Right. So. Yeah, absolutely. Is that the, is that the goal for you? You want to, you want to get yourself worked up to be like an NHL skills coach or uh, is this just something you're floating around? I actually don't want to be a skills coach. Like, like a, I don't want to be like, I, I want to be a real coach. Like I want to coach yeah. a team. Like that's, that's what drives me is I, I love doing skill development, but yeah. I don't want to yeah. make, I don't want to be a skills coach because I want to focus on a group, a goal, a culture. That's really what I want to do. And uh, what's my goal. I want to, I want to coach one day in the NHL. It's like, that's my goal. That's why I'm doing this right now. I'm going to continue working with kids here. My kids are young. I'm going to stay here for, but I'm going to build up my resume and I'll do everything I can um, to go to the NHL. I email, I email NHL teams every six months. I email every NHL team every six months and about 45% of them get back to me like within a week. So yeah, but I'll, I'll, good for you. You got to throw your name in the mix, man. They're not going to come looking for you. That's a really important lesson for people. Don't sit around and expect people to find you or to bring your dreams come 
to fruition. You, we as people have to do that. And that's, that's a great lesson. And that was sort of like, even I, I relate that to my recovery and like what I, I, I didn't know how to start a podcast or anything like that, but I, I had to do that. I had to take the initiative and you're taking the initiative initiative to do that. And at least now they're your name and they know your name and something will come up. And man, I, I know what you're like. You're going to accomplish that goal. It might not happen overnight, but if you stick with it, I, I think you'll you'll definitely get there. I I look around the Western Hockey League. There's so many guys that we grew up with that are, yes. you know, yes. got head coaching jobs or assistant coaching jobs. And obviously, that's probably a good place to start as major junior hockey. For maybe sure. even maybe even tier two because I think that's something that I kind of took for granted as like a hockey player. I was like, well, when I'm done hockey, I'll just I'll just coach and I'll get a job like that because you know I'm a player. Boy, yeah. was I wrong. Not that I've tried, but now that I'm older, I understand that there's so much more to it. Oh, 100%. That's kind of my my first stepping stone. My One of my first, I guess, one of my uh, short-term goals is to move on to the Western League. Um, obviously, I'll be a, a great situation. Um, that's my, you know, you're not going to jump to the NHL from, from where I am right now, but um, that's my first, like, you know, short-term kind of big goal, move on to major junior. Um but it's funny you say that because um, after I got done playing, I was like, okay, where can I apply? What junior team? But there's so many ex-pros. There's so many hockey players out there. There's so many people with the same business. There's so many um, good coaches out there who didn't play hockey. There's so many good coaches out there who already who did play hockey. So it's really competitive, and you have to really separate yourself and – you have to really start from nothing. You have to work your way up. Um, like you with the podcast, you look at your first episode. Did you even have a microphone? No, I had headphones like this and, uh, you know, with the crackly mic, it's like, you know, like I'm listening. Back that was my first episode, but no, you have to, as, as a coach, you, nope. you really have to, I almost felt like a couple of years ago, I was like, I, I'm starting back as, as a, you know, a rookie in, in hockey again. But at the same time, it like, I was like, I don't care. I'm just going to work as hard as I can and try and build something out of this. And I don't really know what, what it could be or what it's going to be, but uh, I'm going to keep working at, at posting informative videos, helping people, helping the community. And I think knowledge is power. And I think that any, everyone can learn myself included. I think that you, you should always be learning in hockey. The game's changed so much. So, um, you got to evolve or the game will pass you by. It, it absolutely will. Um, I'm just sorry. I'm just writing. I'm not See, normally if it was just like, say I had like, and this is no offense to you, but if I had like, say like last episode, Anthony Stewart, I don't know him. So I'd be like kind of inconspicuously doing stuff, but I'm just telling you that I'm writing out your Instagram handle of, along the bottom. So people watching um, at Ned Lukasovic hockey, right? Yes. Thank you. That's your uh, that's your page, and it's not just for people who are local to to the Lower Mainland. Obviously, to work with Ned uh, and to do some training, you have to be in BC. But uh, what you're doing on your page is, is so helpful to people, and it's spreading right across the entire world. Did I spell that right? Yes, yeah, you did. I got it. I got it. Um, so make sure you guys follow him on social media. Uh, check out the podcast too, and I'll be posting about it. And if you're watching, listening to this after, thank you. Uh, if you're not watching this live, thank you for listening. And uh, you can look down below in the bio and uh, the link to Ned's podcast and all his social media will be there. Uh, make it easy for you guys and gals listening over there. So um, 
Yeah, it, I love what you're doing on the page, man. Uh, the informative videos. I know maybe sometimes you're getting discouraged because there's not a lot of people watching the full video or whatever. But you just never know. You just never know like who who you're going to help. And if the goal is to just help one hockey player, or one parent, or one person, that's where it starts. And you have that impact, and then it, it just carries forward. And and it's just this sort of this wave that just people can get on and start riding. And I think you're really onto something. And maybe it's not as much as what like you think is might be a hot topic in the world, but in the world of hockey, we need more of this, what you and Chris are doing. You know, you kind of, you kind of nailed it. Two parts. Um, if, if you watch my video, that's awesome. I support it. If you don't watch my video, I'm not going <laughs> to sleep over it because I'm still going to post videos. I'm still going to keep pushing out content like that. That's helpful. That's informative. That's useful. Um, so if you watch it, great. If you don't, that's great too. Um, another funny story is one of the teams I interviewed with from major junior, the coach's son, I, I sent my link. I said, if you have, an, if you, I, I sent him a cover letter, a cover letter, a cover letter and a proper resume. I said, this is also my business page, populated if you have it. And he didn't respond back for days. And he said, Ned, this is awesome. I love the cover letter, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, my son has Instagram. He showed me your page. Love the content. Your videos are awesome. Like he's like, keep building that. Cause he's like today's day and age, it's easy to go on and see what you're all about or kind of what you're, what you're about in your business or who you are as a hockey kind of uh, yeah. coach and so on and so forth. So um, I'll keep posting those. Cause I think not only am I helping people, I'm also helping myself too. Yeah, a hundred percent. And that's uh, something I've noticed. I'm so, I, I go back to it, man. You talked about gratitude earlier too, and just being grateful for, for everything, but I'm so grateful to be coaching and, and being in and around uh, the kids. And yes, as coach, we, we teach them, but I'm always learning so much um, about the world, about hockey, about myself, about these young men or women who are aspiring to be athletes and as them as people. And the, there's so much, like hockey just brings so much good into my life. And and yes, I've been talking a lot about the hockey culture and there's obviously a lot that needs to change, but we, we don't have to focus on those negatives because like I said earlier, I would go back and do it all over again. Would I instill things differently and act differently? Of course. Um, so maybe it wouldn't be, it would definitely wouldn't be the same experience, but just the, the gift of playing hockey and shout out to my dad. Uh, I know you're thankful to your parents of the hours they spent in the rink. And I actually owe your mom a, a huge apology because I flipped her off one time and at the Burnaby winter club during a tournament. Do you remember that? I do. do I, forget why you I forget why you flipped her off. But I remember you flipped her off. Do you, do, I was a bit of a loose cannon as a kid. You could say. <laughs> you were, yeah. What? That's an understatement. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was a bit of a problem, but now I think people understand what I was going through, and I just didn't know how to deal with it. I still think I was a pretty good good kid underneath it all. I just had little outbursts that were bad. But there was this tournament in Burn. It's funny because you're coaching in Burnaby Winter Club, and like we hated Burnaby Winter Club growing up. They were like our arch nemesis, is because we could never beat them. We beat them, yeah. We tied them three, three months. Yeah, I scored two, and you got you got one. We got all three goals in like the last in the last minute it happened that was crazy i'll never forget that um maple ridge tourney yeah i remember that, that was like the biggest moment of mine like we tied burnby winter club three three like let's that go a, that was that was a legit win for us like a that, legit was a, that was a huge win that was a huge win that was yeah that was awesome that was that was a but it's funny like i was saying like you're in burnby winter club now 
How did you flip? How did you flip off my mom? Yeah. So, like, I had a bit of, I had a bit of like ADD. I think a lot of us did, and like, I, I, it was in between periods, and you know, in the Burnaby Winter Club rink, the the stands are like right above the benches, right? Like, so they're the parents are leaning over the bench, and it was in between periods, and my dad, you know, called everyone in. My dad was coaching. The, this is the funniest part because you're gonna die laughing, and my dad's watching, and he can verify that this happened because we talk about this all the time. Not, not that it was funny that I flipped off your mom, but just my dad's reaction was priceless, and I hope my dad doesn't get mad that he's sharing this story because it was just so funny. So I flipped off your mom because my dad was called them in. Uh, the team in and I remember I was on the ice and I was kind of just floating around over here by myself when my dad was talking like you know probably like what I would do is I would I, I should have just been in there listening because it's the coach but in my own mind I'm doing my own like kind of like okay I got to get my head back in I need a minute here or whatever but I should have been in there and your mom was like Brady get in there with the rest of the team and I was like took my glove off and I'm just like like this and then Shirley, this is the best part, the pirate lady, remember, bless her heart, loves Shirley. She's an amazing lady. But my dad, my dad just on a cue, my, Shirley started losing it on my dad. He like, Brian, do something about your kid, blah, 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 blah. My dad turns around. He goes, go back to your ship. Like, that's what he <laughs> She dressed oh my up God. in a pirate costume and my dad's like, go back to your ship. That was what he said to her. Like, it's just hilarious. This is hilarious, but sorry to Milka, your mom, who is just an awesome lady, your family. I love your family. Um, I graduated with your sister, Melissa, in high school and, um, you know, the same year. And I grew up around your family quite a bit. And I, I just, I should probably, next time I see your mom, I'll tell her in person. But uh, I'm officially apologizing for, for my 12-year-old my twelve year old incident where I pulled my glove off and gave you the finger and maybe yelled F you too. I'm not sure because. Oh, yeah. you, you 100% probably must have said it too. So, um, sorry, Milka. And uh, I, I want to, your dad, your dad is so awesome, man. I, he was always such, I loved seeing your dad at the rink. He was like kind of the first person that I met. Your family was really like the first family that I was around like a lot that weren't from Canada. You know what I mean? And and came from, from another country and, and kind of got to see and hear a little bit about what life was like over outside of Canada. You were born in Yugoslavia, right? It's not called that now, but at the time it was, was it Yugoslavia, right? At the time it was, yeah. Then it split up and into Serbia, then became Montenegro. And so it's become a few countries since I was born, um, you know, with, uh, with war and, um, you know, things of that matter. But yeah, we, uh, we immigrated, you know, typical immigrant, immig immigrant family. We didn't have a lot. Um, but we, 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 de I definitely felt rich when I was a kid cause it, it didn't seem like we didn't have much. I always got what we wanted. We had what we needed. Um, yeah. actually we had more than what we needed. Like I we'd always, no matter what, um, my parents made it work. And when you're a youngster, even for you young hockey players out there, um, listening, we, we think that whether our parents are rich or not, we think they're, they have so much, but they're really like, they're giving everything they can for your lessons, for your development, um, and I think that just as me as a young hockey player, shout out to the parents um, for doing all this. Like some of us maybe have that money. Some of us maybe don't. But, you know, we like my parents doing everything you can for you to have. Not a, I'm not on hockey, but just a great life experience thing. So yeah. so grateful that, you know, I had that childhood in hockey and, and the childhood I did, you know, outside of hockey. But it's just kind of funny. So I was telling my friend the other day, 
You know, when you're young, you probably the same way, Brady. You're slamming your stick. You're breaking. You're like, oh, my dad's rich. He can buy it. Not really knowing. These people are like living paycheck to paycheck, trying to pay that. You know, buying a stick for them is actually hard. Maybe they're not eating eating what they want to eat the next week because you got that Bauer stick. You always had that little. Did you have like a little green stick? Like you had a green. Oh, like, it was like the the wood colored with the green writing, the TPS. Those ones. Yeah. Those are the ones I used in in Bantam. The wood color. I remember that. Evan Holmgren used to use them, and he had a, a just a remember a slap shot. He was like not quite as hard as yours, but it was. He oh, would hit the glass. Well, he would just break the glass. It was yeah. insane. Like, remember, do you remember we'd go to Stick and Puck on Friday nights and po- we went to Stick and Puck everywhere, like all over, like Pitt Meadows, Poco, like everywhere. But we used to, there. I think it was maybe Thursday nights or Friday nights after Thursday, we played. Thursday nights. Thursday nights, right? We would play. And then after our game, we would stay and go to Stick and Puck. But I just remember Evan sitting in the other end, just taking slap shots from one end of the ice to the other. That's, that's basically all I remember from him. <laughs> Um, trying to break the glass trying to break the glass yeah uh, a little fun story for people watching or listening so uh, everyone knows like skills competitions um <laughs> you know where i'm going with this skills competitions like were a big thing for me still are i love watching players compete um you know it's to find out who the best is and NHL teams, obviously, or the all-star game happens. We see it on TV, but every NHL team always does skills competitions every year, like within their own team. And like, I always used to go to Vancouver Canucks skills competition. It was like the best thing, the best part of the whole season. Never mind going to a game. Let's go to the skills competition. And the way that they did it back in the day, I'm not sure if they still do, was they would select one player from a peewee team in every AAA organization in the lower mainland. I mean, it was, granted, it was probably what, you were on the ice, I don't remember, probably like 10, 13 kids in our tier one like how many teams were there not many there was 10 there was there was about 10 kids yeah 10 kids so every team gets to select one and ned was by far the best player on her team so it wasn't even a question it's like well ned's going to the skills competition and he went and you actually beat artem Tubarov in the hardest shot competition you were like 13 years old and shooting harder than some of the, i think it was two nhl players but you tied one and and beat artem Tubarov. i too far off it's too crazy, crazy. I shot 83 miles an hour when I was like that age. He shot 80. And like, I was like, that was like my, I was like, oh my gosh. Oh, it was so, so awesome, man. I remember, yeah, Chuby, man, you shot harder than an NHL player. In I your can't different believe sport. you actually remember it was Artem Chubarov. That's actually crazy to me. Yeah, man. I remember it all, dude. Like, it was hilarious. Like, I'm like, what? Like, it, it, I don't know, like looking back on it now, it's even cooler to understand it. But as a kid, it was like, whoa, like my buddy's shooting harder than this NHL player. Granted, he might have been the worst player on the Canucks, but he's still in the NHL. <laughs> the next day at school, people were coming up to me like, dude, you beat Chubarov. I was like, I, I was like, I remember like my, I, I had the two backpacks. I'm like, I'm going to loosen up a strap here. I got one now. I was like, honestly, I remember there was this kid. His name was Jeremy. I didn't really know him. I, I kind of thought he was cool because he was older. He's like, dude, you beat Chubarov. I'm like, <laughs> I'm not like even like teachers were talking about it. Hey, Ned beat Artem Chubarov. I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, it, it felt cool. It, it, it was. Uh, I always think about that too. I have a picture of that of the actual slap shot. I have a picture of that in a frame. Yeah. That's a big moment. Like you. That's what I mean. Like you were breaking down doors, and this is what I mean. Like if you don't move to. To poor Coquitlam at 10 years old. I think you were like nine, 10 years old when you moved there. If you don't move there, I probably, I think there's probably quite a few of us that don't go as far as we did coming out of Poco, right? There was a, you know, I, I mean, I, granted, I was a good hockey player, but nobody was 
it, there wasn't like anybody where it was like, oh, I better like no one was really pushing me. They were like right around my level, maybe not as good, maybe sometimes better a little bit, but nobody was blowing the socks off anybody going at, whoa, this is a different level. So uh, I can't imagine what my life would have been like if your family didn't move to Poco. Like my life would have looked completely different. You had a significant impact uh, on my hockey career. And I think a lot of other uh, players uh, in Poco can say the same. And it, you showed me the way, man. Like you showed me, even though I always knew you were better than me, I still was like, okay, well, like I'm playing with him and I'm contributing with him and I'm scoring and I'm doing everything. Maybe I'm not doing all the same things. And in hindsight, maybe I should have stopped trying to play your game as much and focused on more of a game that could have made me successful as a pro hockey player. But that's whatever. I just wasn't into it anyways. But uh, I just honestly, man, like you, you really had a significant impact. And I just, I think about the times that we had, like, man, like it was just, we had so much fun, like playing road hockey, like people watching, listening. I can't even tell you how many wheels we burned out. We were playing on like the plastic by the end of the night. Sometimes you start with four wheels, then you're down to three, then you're down to two. And the two that are hanging on for dear life, a chunk blows out of them. But we're playing for a fake Stanley Cup and we're like 16, 17 years old <laughs> underneath Ikea at like three, four in the morning playing for these fake rocket richard award and a fake stanley cup just so we can and we almost like fought sometimes and like guys are slashing and tripping each other and those wheels and i was always the one with the wrench changing all the rollerblade wheels and doing everything but i just i can still picture man it was so funny like i could picture you skating on like two wheels and one's like the, a chunk missing i'm just like I'd get so if I if I didn't have at least three wheels, I'd be like, I'm not playing, I can't play. And then like I'd be like, hey, it'd be mid-game. Yo, Robbie, can I borrow a wheel? No, please, man. I'm going home then. Fine, I'll give you a wheel. Like then this guy has two wheels. I have two. I remember one time Robbie tried to play play Robbie played with one wheel. <laughs> yeah, just the middle wheel, like with on both. And he was like actually effective. He would just stand that front. It was actually hilarious. How do you play with one roller wheel? But like you said, the love of the game. So grateful to Brady that, you know, we, we grew up and had those memories because th those are the memories I cherish a lot too. And I think about them a lot. And what you're doing now is you're, you, you got a platform and you're trying to help people inspire and aspire to, to be like you. So, uh, you know, I don't think that, um, you should I, don't, Ed, I don't want them to be exactly like me. <laughs> they don't need to go through what I went through. Do they? No, but I mean, aspiring, like you're, 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 right. You're, you're, yeah, you're, man, you're, for sure. Absolutely. I know. Absolutely. I appreciate that, man. I, I can't thank you enough. And uh, I'm going to say it again. Like, thank you, man, for, for everything that you did for me as a kid. And like, you didn't even know, cause you were just being yourself and, and, and we were just hanging out. We were friends, we were brothers and, and shout out to the other guys that were part of that group too. I mean, the Nick Vandenbelt, Carson Grant, or, or sorry, Carson Hamill. I said Carson Grant, cause he's watching right now. He just put a co comment. So shout out Carson Grant in the middle of Carson Hamill, um, Robbie, Kurt, Jake Ebner, like, and then we, sometimes we get playing like South side versus no, North side Poco. Like those were some big games, man. Yeah. The, there's, uh, I was always like, I'm always driving by the course now and I'm like, Why do, you know, kids don't play as much road hockey as they used That's to. Cool. I, don't know, I don't know if it's like the different, like, uh, the kind of the side that we live in. I don't know. I, there's just doesn't seem there'd be a lot of road hockey around. Like from what I'm seeing, I'm not saying there's not, but we were there. Those tennis courts used to always be packed. And uh, so, yeah, grateful and 
Keep yeah. doing what you're doing, man. Keep doing what you're doing. Before I let you go, do you remember when we played that? Played, we got it. We made a tournament, and everyone had to pay money to play at those courts, and we were playing for money. Do you remember that at all? Was it Hickey or was it in Citadel? No, it was in Citadel. I do, yeah. I, I remember. I remember. Is that one? Is that one? I don't want to say his name. Swore my hockey career, and I chased him. Yeah. <laughs> I was so superstitious about my hockey career. One time, there was a one of the guys was like, "Are you telling the truth?" And this guy was like, "No, no, I'm not telling. I'm telling the truth." And He's like, I swear on Ned's career. So he was lying. But I was so superstitious. I absolutely went ballistic. And I chased him around the course and he ended up jumping the fence. But I was so scared like that. Like like him swearing on my career. Like I, I actually took that to like, I'm not going to make it now because he made a lie on my career. But he knew how crazy I would go. Swear on Ned's career. He's like, yeah, I swear on Ned's career. And then he's like, I'm lying though. And I just went nuts. Do you remember that? Yeah, of course. I remember that. <laughs> Same guy that had a dressing stall. <laughs> oh man yeah I, I could still remember him running away i think he yeah like or rollerblading away i know exactly what you're talking about and uh it's just hilarious it's just so funny but yeah you were really superstitious but that was a big thing for people people were swearing on your hockey career because you were you were the one that was gonna make it <laughs> and then i think as jokes people would be like yeah i'll swear on i'll swear on your hockey career and it's like oh that doesn't matter but like to swear on on your hockey career, that's hilarious man good memories but hey listen um let's do this again sometime we're coming up on two hours i know you got kids and everything else there's lots that we didn't talk about that i wanted to talk about but um i, I want to do this more often with you and you know if you ever need anything with your podcast or whatever i'm here and I try to connect you with some people that seemingly want to help so um, you know, keep it up, man. Thank you again for everything. Hello to your family um, out there in Poco. And thanks for coming on, man. I, I love catching up with you. Are you legitimately like, I, I can't tell you how hard we laughed as kids. That's why I sit here and I laugh even just looking at you because there's so much stuff going through my mind. Like when you're people watching or listening, they're like, oh, well, it's not that funny. But like when you're saying things like there's all these little like things and I'm just so grateful to have those memories, man. It's uh it's something that I will cherish deeply for the rest of my life. Oh, Sam, I'm thinking about like five different things right now. Like just, just funny things. You know what I mean? There's certain songs like shout out Shakira, whenever, wherever I told you, it reminds me of new year's at your house. Huge crush on Tara at the time, by the way, I know she's definitely not listening anywhere. <laughs> so, it's so, isn't it? I, I know I'm getting off topic here, but you hear like a song. It like reminds you, I'm like, I'm 36 now. I'm thinking of my crush when I was like 11. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it just, th those memories at your house, right? Yeah, man, for sure. We made up me, I think me, you and Jake had a dance on, at a, we had the new year's party and we actually made up like a dance to some song and, uh, and, and, you know, made everyone come up and watch it after we rehearsed it for like six minutes or whatever the hell it was. Um, shout out Scott Malone too. <laughs> we don't have to get into it. That guy was hilarious, man. I remember him coming out in the hot tub. Just a quick story before you go like hot tub. Do you remember he was the, like to me, uh, the guys from On the Bench, Jacob Ardown and Ollie Poston, and they've been on the show. They're friends of mine. I, I love their stuff, but the original person I ever saw do the skate video on concrete was Scott Malone with my dad's old tax in my carport. And he came out, he had a jock, nothing but a jock strap on, like a helmet, old Cooper gloves and a twig and real skates. And he's skating around in the carport, sparks flying and everything else. Oh my God. That's like 20 years ago, man. Like it's so funny. More, more. That's like yeah. 23 years ago, but. 
Yeah, you're right. 20, 23 years ago. So anyways, let's do this again, man. Um, everyone check out Ned's podcast in the link. If you're listening, uh, check it out. Make sure you follow him on social media at Ned Lukasevic Hockey, primarily on Instagram, right? I'm on Instagram. I'm on the gram. Trying, trying to build up my TikTok. I don't, I'm, I don't do dances on TikTok, but I try and just post the videos on there. But uh, Brady, I know uh, maybe you're going to edit this part out, but tomorrow, can you help me how to get it on? Like, for the podcast like for spotify apple yes absolutely I knew, I knew once the podcast ended if i was to facetime or call you, you might just turn your phone off right now so i need to because i need to know how to get it on apple and spotify shout out everyone i'm not a content creator but i'm trying that's it yeah that's the whole thing and that's what i said to you like good for you for doing it man because there's a lot of people that can sit here and, and be like oh well, why is he doing that or whatever yeah well at least you're doing it and you have to start somewhere like you have to start somewhere you don't know unless you know like but you're gonna you, you'll learn and you'll get the right people involved and and you'll make an impact and as long as you're enjoying it i mean that's the biggest thing i kind of wanted to talk more about how you're doing outside of you know retiring from hockey because it's so tough but maybe we have to do a part two uh and, and get into that at a later date um but you know i'm always here for you if you ever need anything whether it's podcast related personal if you want to kick it and tell an old story i'm so glad that we've been talking more often and i i really hope that we can continue that moving forward and it's unfortunate that we weren't able to connect when i was in bc and it was even funnier because i found one of your old super series jerseys that i need to return to you um, drop it off, but you didn't but that's okay you'll drop it off my, my dad's got it. Uh, my dad can drop it off for you. you guys don't live far from each other. So it was cool going through all my old stuff. I wish I wish I would have had some of the old pictures and stuff like from those tournaments with us in it for this show. Um, but yeah, it was cool. And then to find your your jersey. I was like, no way. I'm like, crazy. what the hell is this that's doing in here? Yeah. Yeah. So. That's actually, when you stop playing, I know we're yapping here. People are probably don't want to hear it. But those things, like I actually yeah. opened up uh, – I gave a lot of my pro jerseys away to my family back home in Montenegro. They don't really have, they don't have much at all. So this like meant, this means so much to them. So I gave a lot of like, I gave one of my Kings jerseys away, uh, my American league, whatever, doesn't matter. But then I opened up one of the boxes I had with our kids. And I, I had um, one of my last jerseys from Europe, which I thought I didn't even know where it was. So I was like, I was super excited. And then one of these little jerseys when I was a kid and I was like, oh, yes. Like to get to my son, to get to my kids, I like I. It actually means more now, right? Like, probably when you got your Rockies jersey, whether it's a replica or not, to see that you kind of like just like brings you brings you to you know yeah there you go. Something. That's a that's that's a game worn one. I got I got all sorts. That's a game worn one. I got I actually I my dad my dad did did good. He he I lost a lot, Ned, like you did, or gave a lot away. But I I have a lot. I have this is my this is the jersey I was wearing when I scored my first WHL goal against against you guys right here did, did swift current have those like just or did did you have that always i had this always since my 17 year old year that's this true. is like that's a sick jersey like i would wear that to like a like a like a costume party <laughs> no seriously my friend shout out jerry Gill, he, just, he just texted me costume party bring a jersey i'm like what kind of jersey i'll use that one that you have there brady <laughs> yeah it's a bit of a circus isn't it old swift current broncos one but yeah it's uh up to i'll have to bring it out to you i'm coming home we got we got to collab on a hockey school next summer yeah for sure for sure like 
you know, get some other people involved too. Shout out Rob from Butt Ends. He's sending me some some Butt Ends stuff here. He's coming he's on my show. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's one of my best friends. Yeah, I I reached. He's supposed to come on my show like a year ago, um, but then things. He would, kind of- he, would be, he would be really good. He he's got a lot of great stories and great personal experiences too. I don't want to get touch on Rob's you know journey, but yeah, I think yeah. that just from what he he built that brand from nothing, and he. Uh, was a pro went through a lot of hard things in his career. I think he'd be awesome for the show. Yeah, um, shout, yeah, out, yeah. shout out to True for you know sending me a stick now after being a guest here. Thank you guys. You need sticks, eh? <laughs> no, no, I have tons of. I, I used a Reebok stick the other day from my first year pro. So two thousand and six, the kid was like, "What is that?" I'm like, "What are you talking about?" I forgot. Like it was, it was. He's like, "What kind of stick is that?" I was like, "A Reebok." He's like, can I take a picture of it? I'm like, you never seen this stick? He's like, I've never seen that stick. It was just a Reebok. And then the next day, I came out the gray CCM. And he was like, oh, my gosh, the Vector. He's like, what the hell is this? And I kept – I was like, holy man, I'm that old. They were, like, laughing. Like, what is this, dude? I was like, this is sick. Yeah. It was it so was. Heavy. I couldn't even stick handle. I was like, it was so heavy. Two it's crazy, mine. right? I know. I got – I got this one, and this isn't even anywhere near as old as the other ones. But my, I, I brought this back from BC. My dad had one of these, and this is from my uh, my last year in Kelowna, and uh, it's a Bauer a Bauer one ninety. So Kelowna did things differently even back then. You know what I mean? Like we got sticks with our names on it and everything else. But Bauer one ninety, like it's a club, dude. Like in comparison <laughs> to my true stick, like oh, I. I it feels like when I was a kid picking up my my dad's old wooden sticks in comparison to the Z bubble. Like that's what it that is. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. So, anyways, man, listen, I love you lots, and uh, can't wait to do this again and and see you, um, you know, in person. Hopefully sooner rather than later. I got. I'm planning a trip out to BC again here in the next month to three max. So. Okay, perfect. Well, film this guy. Film this guy. Film this guy. Film this guy. Oh man, that's a whole story for another day. We just quickly we went around with my dad's video camera one night, um, egging cars. Uh, we were really young, like young, uh, doing stupid stuff as kids often did back in those days. And uh, we weren't smart enough to hide it from my dad. My dad ended up finding the video and everything else. But in retrospect, it's some of the funniest stuff and some of the funniest memories. I wish I wish that video still existed. Dad, you should have never deleted that video because it 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 was like original like jackass like kind of stuff like before there was viral videos there was no videos on the internet like we were out there filming just and sometimes we'd film hockey and stuff too we were i don't know man i just think the opportunities now i, I would love to be a kid again uh, oh, to be able to do it but we have the experience to make these kids uh better hockey players and even better humans so keep doing what you're doing man thanks brady thank you so much you bet, man. We'll, we'll chat here soon. I actually, I'm going to tell you what I was talking about in the intro. I have some big news for you around some of the stuff we've been talking about. You know what I'm talking about. So uh, I'll give me 10 minutes to wrap up the show, and then I'll shoot you a text. I'll, I'll plug my phone in and then text me. All right, buddy. Thanks for doing Thanks, this, buddy. Ned. Thanks, Brady. Guys, thank you. That's Ned Lukasovic, former NHL draft pick, LA Kings, and one of my best friends growing up. And as you heard, somebody that I looked up to tremendously, and I just have like so much love in my heart for that guy and for all the guys that were part of our group. But Ned was really the leader of that group showing us the way. So uh, eternally grateful that he came into my life. Shout out to Mike and Milka for moving to Port Coquitlam. Thank you.
Thank you. And sorry for flipping you the bird, Milka. Anyways, we'll hear a quick message from Pride Tape, our friend Steve Buckley down there in Oregon. And we'll be back to wrap up the show in just a minute. Pocket of Hell and Back is brought to you by Pride Tape. Pride Tape is a badge of support from teammates, coaches, parents, and pros to young LGBTQ players. It shows every player that they belong playing the sport they love and that we're all on the same team. Show your support for teammates, coaches, and fans in the LGBTQ community by wrapping your stick with Pride Tape. Every roll of tape will make an impact in sports and beyond. Inclusion starts with leadership. Check out some of the ideas of how you can get involved at youcanplayproject.org. Check out Pride Tape at pridetape.com. For more information, you can send an email to Aubrey at PrideTape.com. That's A-U-B-R-E-E, Aubrey at PrideTape.com. You can find Pride Tape on Facebook.com slash PrideTape, on Twitter at PrideTape, and at PrideTape on Instagram. PrideTape thanks all of you for being champions for change. And thank you to everyone at Pride Tape. Special shout out to Dean Petruk out there in South Surrey and his son Andrew, who's set to take off on his uh, junior hockey career, trying out for the Everett Silver Tips. He's currently signed with the Nanaimo Clippers. Best of luck, Andrew. I was hoping to get out there to skate with you before you go. Uh, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to make that happen, but um, with you all the way, it's exciting for for young hockey players to get that opportunity uh, to test themselves. It, it, dreams come true, but there is another side to it, and I think we all have to be mindful that you know there's so much more that has to go into it than just skill development. Uh, it, you heard a lot about it, like what kind of person you are, right? And maybe what what are you going to do after hockey? Even if you played in the NHL for 30 years, like that's a long time. But I'm saying, like, if you played in the NHL, like as long as Yarmer Yager did like eventually I know he's still playing but you, you have to stop playing at some point like, what does life look like so I think it's important to have other interests and do other things outside of hockey although the the community of hockey often feels like if you're not doing this or doing more of it then you're going to be left behind so again a topic for another day uh, thank you to Ned for coming on uh, thank you all for watching if you're watching live thing I'm going to get to some comments here in a minute if you're watching on Facebook, thank you. Can you please share it with your friends? Share it to your wall, I think is what they call it still. Um, if you really want to do me a favor, slide over to YouTube and start watching over on YouTube, trying to build the YouTube channel. Not that I'm doing anything to try to build it. I'm just, whenever I do a podcast, I'm like, please go subscribe to YouTube. Uh, it's just, it's better for me moving forward with the podcast. Going to try to get off Facebook. It's just hard because everyone's on Facebook. Um, I want to remind everybody that, you know, today is August 1st and it is overdose awareness month. Uh, the hockey community has lost a lot of people. There was 11 hockey players in 2021 that died of fentanyl overdose. Many more outside the hockey community. I have met and talked to in person, whether they were a close friend and acquaintance, acquaintance, somebody I came in contact with. I have met over a thousand people in my life that have died from overdose. And I've been saying that for, for a long time. It's probably closer to 2000. And if you think I'm exaggerating, come sit down with me for 15 minutes and I'll explain to you why and how that could possibly be. 
this is the real epidemic is mental health and addiction. And when we're talking about overdose, to me, you know, addiction and, and substance misuse, it, it falls under the, the category of mental health, mental illness. And I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to say like what's a mental illness versus what's maybe just dealing with certain mental health issues. I, I don't know. I don't know what the where the line is and what defines it as a mental illness. It's chronic. It, it's continuing on maybe. But anybody that I know that is battling addiction, most people that are looking outside of themselves with a substance, whatever that may be, at whatever time in their life, usually related to trauma, life experience that's been hard and trying to make themselves feel better. I know that was the case for me. It was just self, self-medicate, self-medicate, trying to feel better, trying to feel better. People who are addicted are loved and they have families and the vast majority of those people are good people the vast vast majority they've just gone through a lot more than most people could ever imagine especially when you get to certain points of addiction I'm gonna sit here and say the typical person in society has no idea, not a clue, what somebody has gone through to get them to the place of addiction or homelessness. And it's a really important thing to, to stop and try to understand is why? Why, do, why, are, why are people going to this in the first place? Ned's still watching. He said, well, well said, bro. I knew he'd, I knew he'd sit back and, and, and watch. But listen, these, these individuals who are struggling, they're, they're loved and they just need a chance. They don't need people to, to put them down uh, and, and judge them and make their lives harder. I understand that dealing with people in addiction is very challenging. My dad can attest to that. Anybody that came across me in my addiction can attest to that. I was not somebody you wanted around at all. I couldn't even stand to look at myself in the mirror. It's really important to understand that most people don't know how to deal with an addict. And I hope that people watching and listening never have to know what it's like to have someone you love and care about battle addiction or even worse, lose their life because of it. There was a time in my life where I never thought, and I've said this a lot on this podcast, I say it a lot everywhere, where I never thought I would ever become a drug addict, let alone be homeless or go to jail. It's... It's not something that people wake up one day and say, Hey, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a drug addict. That's not how this works.
oftentimes people like to just and I, I've been guilty of it when I was younger. It's like, well, that doesn't really involve me. I don't need to involve myself in that. Like, why am I don't need to listen to that because that'll never that'll never affect my life. Until it does. Until it does. So I'm encouraging everybody to be proactive, carry naloxone. Educate yourself and those in your household about substance abuse, substance misuse, I think is the proper terminology for it. Talk to your kids about this stuff. Because if you think by not talking about it, they're not going to have to see it in the real world. Do not forget or do you not remember what it's like to be a kid, to be growing up? I do. Nobody really talked about that stuff with me. You know, I, I actually did a project in high school in grade 11 biology. And it was one week. I'm going to turn the music off. It was one week, right, where you pick a, pick a drug and you have to do a conversation on it in front of the class explaining everything and do this project. And of course I picked heroin. That was the drug that I chose because it was the most extreme one. And, you know, I slapped together this project on one of those uh, big boards that fold out a poster board, I think they call it and presented in the, the class and had to have a conversation with everyone in the class kind of about it. And I did this project, but in no way did I take in any of that information. I remember hearing like, you try heroin once, you become addicted. And that never made sense to me. No one ever explained to me, even though in my research, it never clicked with me that the body becomes physically dependent on this stuff, opiates, right? And I did this project and still and nothing nothing sat with me. I, I retained none of that information. And maybe that's on me. I'm not blaming anyone else, but it was a very short period of time, like four or five days of my life that was really, you know, attention brought to these topics. Other people did, you know, other drugs and everything else. I retained none of that information. I went on to be a drug addict. It was like, we're just going to put a bandaid on this. We're going to talk about this for, for like a few days here. And then we're going to forget about it. Right? Like this is stuff that we have to talk about every single day. In my opinion, we all need to do a better job. I, I really don't have the words right now. I start thinking, I just, was talking to uh, Isaac Lee's mom earlier today um, and you know maybe Marla if you're watching uh, Isaac is right down here she's working towards uh, starting to share Isaac's story and hope in hopes of helping others and I know there's other families watching the minor family hello to you guys I love you guys um this is stuff that has really affected people's lives and people have people have lost the ones they loved. And I, I think I speak for most people when I say nobody ever thinks this is going to happen to them or their family. I think my dad would have known that I would have went down that, the road that I went down. We never expect it. 
But I, I just think we can do it all do a better job being proactive. And with puck support, you know, we plan to be a big part of that moving forward or even just a small part, but having a voice and initiating conversations and solutions and research and a vast, I don't even have the words. It's just, it's exciting. It's exciting to, to see the, the, progress with puck support but it's also very hard to know that as we sit here right now we're losing people as this podcast went on there's a good chance that in canada more than one person will have overdosed and died just during this last couple hours that we've been on this podcast and maybe we didn't know them but it's happening every day in communities all across North America and likely the world. I can't speak on, I only know of Canada, Canada and the United States, but I'm not going to sit back idle. I'm not going to sit back and just hope that somebody else does something about it. I'm going to continue speaking on it. I'm going to continue trying to educate myself on things that I'm going to continue trying to educate people on all of this. My hearts are with all those who have lost somebody to an overdose. Just take a moment. This is this is reality for me because I lived it and I saw it. I overdosed more times than I can count myself. And I've seen the effects of addiction, not only on myself, but I've lost many close friends and people that I deeply, deeply care about. There are solutions. There are solutions, everybody. What will you do? What will you do in your community, in your household, at your workplace? What will you do? I'm challenging everybody watching or listening to this right now. Whether you think that this affects you or not, whether you think it's related to your life or not. No, not me, not my family. I say this all the time. If anybody hearing this can honestly call me and say, hey, Brady, there's nobody in my life. There's no friend. There's no loved one. There's no family member. There's no coworker. There's no one. I've never met anybody that I care about that has struggled with addiction. It's just, it's not, I've never seen it. Please call me. This stuff affects us all in one way or another. If you live in a community and you think that this doesn't affect you, take a look. Take a look at the homeless populations everywhere right now. A lot of people have a lot to say about it. Clean them up. Do something about it. We all need to do something about it. We all need to do something about it. But all those people struggling, they deserve a chance. They deserve love and they deserve support. 100%. No ifs, ands, or buts.
What will you do in your community, even if it's a small contribution? I know Carson Grant's watching right now. Shout out to him out there in Comox. New dealership looks great. Um, Carson's been on the show. He's been a friend of mine for a long, long time. Carson lost his brother, PJ, to overdose as well. This is his younger brother. And uh, Carson, I know uh, it's been tough. Uh, I love you lots, man. And thank you for coming on my show early and sharing PJ's story and uh, just being a, a, a great support to me. And I'll say Carson Grant was one of very few people who always had my back and always checked in on me throughout the years, no matter what was being said about me, no matter what I was doing, uh, no questions asked. He always had my back. So I will never forget that. Cars, thank you. I'm gonna fire through some comments here to wrap up the show as I leave you with Hockey to Hell and Back. There's a new version coming with an updated chorus. Uh, but my friend Chad Campbell uh, wrote this song. He's uh, was a good friend of Daniel Minor, very close with the Minor family. August 5th, I think he knew, is being released and the music video will come out. I have a very small part in it. Um, Puck Support's featured in it, but more importantly, the song is so powerful. It is my favorite song in the entire world. I've listened to it a hundred times and I've not cried once when I listened to it. It's the story, uh, you know, Chad tells the story of Daniel and, um, you know, we lost Daniel to to an overdose in 2021, former Barry Colt. I know Tom and Michelle and Lindsay and Zach are likely watching, maybe even Haley. Hi, guys. Thank you for allowing me to share Daniel's story and for having my back as well. Love you guys. But this song, I think you knew, drops August 5th. You're going to be hearing it everywhere from me. I'm going to be resharing it, using it in my videos. It's my favorite song, and I can't wait uh, for everyone to, to see the music video. I can't wait to see the music video. I haven't even seen it yet. What am I talking about? But I really want people to, to hear it. I just think it it's, it's so powerful. There's a line in the song that says, Addiction and mental health, I stick handled through life myself. And... That line is just so powerful. There's, there's a lot more that in that song, but it's uh, the ending is what gets me every time. But yeah, I can't wait for you guys to see it. But Hockey to Hell and Back, written by Chad Campbell as well. This is the song uh, that he sent me, and he's made a few revisions of it. And what an honor it is to have somebody write a song about me. I mean, I was in jail less than three years ago. I had nothing. Like everyone cast me out. I'd cast myself out. And, you know, I've worked hard to get where I'm at. There's no question about it uh, on myself. Maybe not as much as I should at times. Maybe I could be working harder, but I still struggle with mental illness and on a daily basis. And some days I got it and some days I don't have it. I just, I, some days it's hard for me to get out of bed. That's just the reality of the world that I live in. Uh, but finding a way to push through. Um, and I'll tell you, coaching has been such a gift. It has changed my my entire mindset. Being back on the ice and being back involved with hockey has been um, one of the greatest gifts I've ever received in this world. Um, looking forward to doing a ton more of it moving forward. So anyways, I'm going to shut up. This is a long podcast. Holy. 
I could have sat with Ned for like another three hours and, and chatted, to be perfectly honest. So uh, thank you, Ned. Thank you all for watching, listening. Make sure you press that like, share, subscribe, turn on notifications. We'll see you back here next Monday night. I think Brock McGillis might be joining the show, returning guest uh, to talk more about the hockey culture uh, and what that looks like moving forward. So uh, anyways, thank you all for watching. Uh, shout out to my family back there in BC. I know my dad's watching. I miss you. I love you lots. My mom likely not watching, uh, but most importantly, my kids, Brooklyn and Brody. Uh, I love you guys so much. And you know, I continue working hard over here on myself and just um, praying every day that you know I get the opportunity to be in your lives again one day on your terms, of course. Until then, be kind, stay grateful, find gratitude in little things. I'm telling you. You don't have to look too far. And always make it a great day if you so choose. Finally doing what I'm meant to do. Strap on your blade, you can follow me. Was my life rookie of the year? Swift as a Bronco, laid up in my gear. Mask the pain when insane, yearning for that buzz. Twelve year journey through the depths of hell. Criminal fentanyl, I struggled, I fell. Abused, confused, as the shadow of who I once was. Can't speak the rest of this week. Oh, no, not a real of me. I think you get my life here back on track. Used to toe jack like Wayne Gretzky. And now I'm toe tech and homeless on Hastings. And the Venus drugs weren't in the gang notes. Wrong kind of how to ride the lightning. Sideboard ignoring hot and frightened. Hockey to hell and back was my recovery road. Can't sleep restless week. Up all night, a dread on a beat. I need to get my life here back on track. Emotions change, I can't stop crying. Send my reflection, no sense lying. My inspirations are getting killing back. Mental health over hockey. Gotta get people talking. Ignite the chain up again. Be this real for the soul. It's Changes from my former convictions. Now I live for the fuck addiction. I got honest to honor the ones we lost. Finally doing what I'm meant to do. Struck on your blade, you can follow me too. Give me your ear to hockey and healing back podcast. Can't sleep restless week. 
up all night I drowned in it. I need to get my life here back on track. Emotions strained, I can't stop crying. Send my reflection, no sense lying. My inspirations are get a hell and back. Pretty leaves won't lock you in. 